Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Recorded on Free Comic Book Day 2022, this installment finds Graham McMillan and myself ruminating on the deaths of George Perez and Neil Adams, their era of comics, and, tangentially, the failure that was the first attempt at a JLA Avengers crossover. Then we go on to talk about West Side Story, The Batman, new fanfic headcanon from me about He Who Remains, the first issue of Hulk Grand Design, The Death of Doctor Strange, some quality scrapping about the Jason Aaron written Avengers and Avengers Forever, and much more in this two and a half hour episode. As always, we welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. We hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan. Hello. I hope you can hear me. Hello. I, I can hear you, yeah. Oh, thank God. It was crazy. That was absolutely insane, Graham. I gotta tell ya. That was like a full five minutes of troubleshooting after after you told me, and I assume you did some troubleshooting before you told me as well. Yeah, I was... Uh, so, yeah, and one of the things that's insane is what ended up fixing it was shutting down the computer and rebooting, which was exactly what I did 35 okay. seconds before I opening just, Skype. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to throw this out there. I think something's wrong with your computer. No. Shush. You not Shush. Shush. I know. I know, Graham. I know. You. you... I have none of these problems. <sighs> Literally zero of them. None. What, one of us is recording and one of us is not, right? That is true. Yeah. But That's what I'm that, saying. That, why would that change? Who knows? Magic. Uh, Doctor Strange. Sam Raimi. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to say, Graham... Uh, First off, good evening. Um, good listeners, evening. Um, I, I apologize. I know that like it seems like, I don't know, for a certain period of time, I, I'm sure you've been wondering, after the apocalypse, will Wait What podcast still keep podcasting? And the answer is yes. I mean, Graham and I, I mean, there <laughs> won't really be technology as we know it anymore, but somewhere on some sun-baked plane, you'll see two miserable wretches, and one of them will be going... Jeff Lester, and I'll be like, Graham McMillan, hello! <laughs> we're still going to be in California and, and Oregon, but we're going to have uh, two cans and a really long piece of string. Yeah, and we'll be like, how how are you doing? You're like, oh god, Jeff, remember before the stomach bees came? And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't even talk about the stomach bees again, Graham. It's the eye ants that are getting me. And you're like, really? I had eye ants last month and it was nothing. <laughs> I'm really curious where this is coming from. <laughs> oh, all of which is to say, yeah, yesterday, uh, right towards the end of a relatively stressful day at work, I started to get a horrible stomach ache. And, oh, no. And then I came home and it was probably something I ate, but I felt miserable. And... Only after nearly, um, what's what's the uh, talking to Ralph on the big white phone? I believe is my preferred euphemism of choice. Only then did did I, and I didn't, but I came so close, and then it passed, and then things got better, quote unquote. Except, um, 
I've kind of had a weird pinchy headache at the back of my head. And then I slept. I slept a ton. I woke up. I felt mostly better. As the day went on, I felt great. We had a very full day. And then about two hours ago, the, (laughs) the pinchy headache that was still had never quite left moved into a slightly pinchier uh, mode and so that's i guess that's the eye worms and then the stomach bees are they're not fully back but i feel a little ooky fortunately i just had some buttered toast with salt so we'll see how that goes that is this your way of saying you feel really shit not really shit but mildly shit and so i apologize because to you and the listeners because among other things i i'm genuinely goddamn delighted to be talking to you like (laughs) I I know that we talked super briefly so I could watch some six and a half hour movie. Oh right. That oh, was yeah, the other that's movie. the thing. Yeah. What did you end up watching last week? So whatnots, we recorded uh two episodes, mini episodes, like five minute things. Um last week, one for the feeds and one for the Patreon. Right. Uh, but we did that super sharp because you were gonna watch something. What did you watch? I couldn't think of it. I I literally was like, "What was it?" Because I was going to talk about the other movie that I also saw. It was the Batman. I saw. I saw. I sat down. It was the Batman. Wait, I thought you did the Batman like two weeks ago. Oh, that was that was two weeks ago. So what happened last week? Was it I just that I, we were tired? Was I tired? I don't remember what I was going to try and do. I don't. I don't know. Okay. Well, I don't remember. I don't. I don't think I did. I see a movie last Saturday. I should really check with Edie. I don't think I've seen a a movie since the Batman. Uh, but I could. I could really be wrong with that about that. Can't think of anything. So, in part because we've watched some TV stuff, some Tokyo what Vice and TV? what have you. Well, Tokyo Vice. Uh, but like. Uh, oh. Oh. Maybe that. No. Was that it? Right. Edie's sister was here. Did we all watch a movie? They were going to watch a movie, and I was supposed to join them, or I didn't join them. Anyway, they all ended up watching Tokyo when, Vice. When and you and I talked last week, yeah, you were going to go and watch a movie with Edie and her sister. No. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, that's, don't, that's don't act like you're Mr. Well, memory well, or anything that, like that. Like, like, you have, you're the only person whose memory I trust less than mine is yours. <laughs> And I mean that in a that's, loving way. That's but... entirely fair. Yeah, However, I do remember you saying that. Okay, all right. Well, I'll have to check. With, I'll have to check with you. I think at the in time... part because I I remember the end basically being like, go and talk to your sister in law. Yes, which I did. But then, did everyone just hit the sack because we were exhausted? We were we were running. We were recording pretty late. Yeah, we did. So it's it really was. possible yeah. that like you did like go and ha- like talk for like half an hour and then be like, "Fuck it, let's go to bed." Well, yeah, because I think our, our episodes you say five, they're actually fifteen, and then we had little uh, intro oh, no, outros. Yeah, but also like we've been talking for a while before that. So. Right, exactly, which was all wonderful. But yeah, I'm trying to. Th- I think they were going to try and watch a movie, and then they ended up defaulting to watching that first episode of Tokyo Vice, and Edie was like. Yeah, it was pretty good. I'd like to watch it with you. And I'm like, okay, which we did last night, two nights ago. It wasn't last night, of course, because I was dying. Or was it? Anyway, time, it has no meaning. That's part of the problem. One of the many problems. That's that's one of many problems, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's been a, it's, I mean, so there's all this stuff that I was like, oh yeah, we can talk about this thing or that thing that I've read or blah, blah, blah. But holy shit, man, if nothing else... 
like some serious um, big time deaths in the comic yeah, industry. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been a fucker, right? We're recording this on Saturday, which means it's the day that the news that George Perez died is broke, broken. Yeah. I should mm-hmm. say um, he died yesterday as we're recording. Uh, it, it is simultaneously not a surprise in that, like, we all knew he was very sick. Yeah. Um, and also, he had been given essentially six months to live seven months ago. Right? Yeah, so, right. like, genuinely, I think everyone knew this was coming. Also, he had been sick this past week. Mm, I didn't um, just, realize. Just separately. Okay. Um, and so, you know, it, it again, it was, it was not a surprise, but it's still... I mean, it's still just fucking horrific, right? It's oh, yeah. uh, and, and also, like, it comes a week after the death of Neil Adams. Yes. Yeah. You know, which is just... It, it's it's weird. It's It feels very... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say anything completely overblown, like, you know, an era of comics artists died. <laughs> but, but there is a sense of... Like, those are two artists that defined superhero comics mm-hmm. like for a long time mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like adams from the late 60s through honestly probably until Perez. yeah 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 yeah. you know well see this is the, and this is the thing i feel like perez did i mean they both their work did cover like sort of a a wide number of publisher houses, Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But I, I think that if nothing else, you're looking at two dudes who I think it could safely be said, like defined slash were the most popular artist for DC in the seventies and eighties, respectively, you know? Um, and I, I mean, that's tough because Perez sort of has a lot of competition in the 80s. Um, and both of them did pretty, like, Adam's stint in Marvel was, um, was relatively brief. But, it, but no, yeah, but, but was, it was also it, colossally... Yeah, um, it was massively big. Influential, you know, yeah. He, he created a, a... He moved away from the Kirby, for want of a better way of putting it. Yeah. Like, he brought in a, a, a realism, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. That that really did sort of pull drastically away from Kirby's abstract dynamism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And Kirby had created the Marvel visual dialogue, yeah. And, right. and then Adams comes along and he's like, "Well, I draw like this," and you know. And, and I say this as someone who doesn't really love Adams' work, right? As much as like I appreciate it, but like mm-hmm. you know, you look at Adams' first issues of of X Men, and it's just. It's amazing. Well, like the, the 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 way that he just utterly changes that comic. Right. Right. Or you know, like, he, yeah, in space of an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He, he finds the characters entirely in the space of an issue. Yeah. Right? And then he goes <laughs> on to Avengers, and he does like the Scroll War. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course that amazing story of you know Ant Man going through the Vision's body, kind of Fantastic Voyage style. I mean, the thing. So the, I think uh, at the at the risk of generalizing, and as always, sounding like an ass, like Adams who came up uh, as you know in advertising and newspaper strips. I believe he was like an assistant on a couple of big 
you know, some of the, the big classic realistic uh, strips, like, I want to say yeah, didn't, some didn't Doctor Strip. Ben Casey or something? Yeah, Ben Casey, I want to say, something like that. And, you know, and I think, what I think is interesting to me is, is on the one hand, he totally took, it, I, I'm going to argue that, that even though, again, not necessarily my cup of tea, he took everything that the DC style sort of embodied, which is to say, like, realistic delineation, I suppose, and then joined it to um, Kirby's absolutely dynamic sense of perspective, and I think really kind of blew everyone's minds on both fronts and and what was interesting is is again it doesn't it his marvel stuff absolutely 100 percent does not look like kirby and his dc stuff it's not like you are going to mistake him for say kurt swan or no no yeah exactly you know you know but, he's, he's not mike Mc, uh, sikowski or anything like that either you know right exactly and so he just had a, a like a, just such a genuine facility um, artistically that uh, f- he was just he was one of those figures, and I and I feel like Steranko's another where it's like his his when you look at his actual body, like the number of pages of of comic work that he did, it's it's not a very high count when compared to how unbelievably influential and game-changing he was yeah yeah you know and then to to turn things around the he 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 was in he he was an activist in well uh, that's that's yeah like you know Mm -hmm. you know for me adam's real quote-unquote gift to the industry wasn't his art as great as it was and wasn't even like you know continuity associates or, or the other artists he supported. Right. It was it was his activism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It was the fact that you know without Adams, Siegel and Schuster don't get basically anything from DC. That's from right. Yeah, like they don't they don't get their pensions. They don't get credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Adams was was pushing for Kirby in the eighties against mm-hmm. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Adams was pushing for unionization. Yeah, and and all these things that later in life Adams became a figure of fun, and and you know, understandably, mm-hmm. you know, he he had wacky theories about the way the Earth had evolved, right. and some of his comics were, shall we say, goofy as shit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But Adams changed the fucking industry for the better in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Adams changed the fucking industry so much so far and use the power that he had as a superstar artist in a way that honestly no other fucking creator has yeah yeah i I think that's very very true and 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 in a way unfortunate because i think it would have been nice if other people had done it (laughs) right no exactly if we'd had as many it's sad that it's sad that he is like he's it as many clones of his activism as we'd had of his art we it would be an entirely different industry um and and i think for the better uh and then interestingly enough you know perez is also just this unbelievable loss and one of the things that really hurt is how much 
Perez seemed to embody just just a kind of like uh, astonishing generosity you know that what that wasn't wasn't an activist thing but in its own way seemed you know kind of equally radical you know uh in the sense of i think that it would be uh, the few comic cons that i used to work and work around like it is i think it's hmm, it would be incredibly challenging to be kind and generous to your fans as much of the time as Perez did. Yeah, yeah. He was so... All the stories that came out again and again and again and again and again was just the amount of unbelievable conscientiousness and compassion. um, And and love. And love, yeah, exactly. And I... I mean, you think about the the famous Alan Moore story. mm Mm-hmm. You know about someone asking him to sign a, a, an autograph while he's taking a piss, right? And how that turned him off. Right. A fandom, B conventions. Yeah. Um, and you imagine that honestly, Perez probably had that experience more than once. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. And I think we would all be Alan Moore in that situation as opposed to Perez. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And even if you know, even if we'd maybe be more gracious than Moore. Right, mm-hmm. you I think would. all of us would at least be, you know, freaked out. Slash, I'm practically think, turned into Alan right. Moore now, and all I did no, was no. go to three comic cons and write but I, on but them. I guess, you know what I guess I mean? that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you know, for everyone was like, "Well, I'd sign it anyway," and you know, that's just like, sure, mm-hmm. but like, you would be like, "Come on, dude, I'm, I'm literally peeing." <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Just no, wait, you're right. exactly, exactly, and, and from all reports. All reports. Yeah, Perez was thrilled to have interactions with fans, no matter what. Yeah, and that is you just know, and that's kind of amazing because again, his career lasted what four decades. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, his career lasted four decades. I, I, but I also feel that there was, I don't know. I, you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting, in a, in a way, is hearing those stories about about his about that kind of you know rich generosity is in a way it sort of really appears on the page you know like there's a there there is so much that's there you know again mm-hmm. there was a, a ridiculous amount of um uh, un, unnecessary i guess controversy when the JLA Avengers came out you know, for under the hero initiative in such Mm -hmm. a short printing. But like one of the reasons why that book was so um, like people were dying to get their hands on it is, is that that book is such a labor of love from Perez. Yes. And, and that's the thing. He is such a dude who had, multiple books, you know, that were like, oh, this was clearly a labor of love. Like, you could say that about, you know, I don't know, like a dozen works of his where I feel like a lot of times you can get someone who could, particularly within working within the realm of the big two, you're like, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe one or two passion projects. Right, 
Exactly. Right? And that, but with the prize, you're literally like, well, shit, there's New Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. There's Crisis. Mm-hmm. There's JLA Avengers. There's probably, like, Busick's Avengers. Right. There's Busick's no? Avengers. There's there's he, he his first couple of issues of, what, the Infinity Gauntlet, right? Yeah. Are, I mean, that's that is, like... That has been Marvel's top-selling... Right, exactly, which totally, yeah, completely, you know, was such a um, thoughtful and conscientious um, and respectful kind of updating. Like, honestly, I really do think... Honestly, like, one of those things that genuinely deserves the idea of, like, a re-examination of the character. Yeah. Right? Right? Like, his Wonder Woman changed how anyone approaches the character since then oh very much so very much so i i would say that that perez as as much as like miller on batman oh absolutely or adams on batman in a way like you know i really do feel that that yes you know diana as the warrior princess for peace the way that all of that stuff gets embodied, like you know, it's, if she was she was not swinging a sword around as you see her in in the movies now and in pretty much everything, you know, I think before Perez really did it, before he really dialed into the Greek origins of it, you know, yeah, yeah, he, he really like properly went to the 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 mythological aspect of the character. Yeah, in a way that you know, previously Bob Kaniger, you know, nodded at at best. I mean, right. like, but also Wonder Todd's. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, 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 no. Every once in a while, people, but yeah, he he took that so incredibly seriously and yes. did such amazing work and redefined the character. And and like you said, like that was like maybe fourth or fifth down the list, you know. Um, it's funny, like, everyone talks about the various influences on the image guys, um, but I remember being in the comic store and flipping through the first issue of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Sorry, I should say, when I was working at Comics Experience, so about 10 or 20 years ago, which is to say, what, 25 years or so after um, Crisis came out, and just looking at that first issue and being like, Wow, like so many guys, so many of the image guys um, clearly loved Perez. Like yeah. Rob I mean, Liefeld, has like, been very, yeah. very clear about it. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at that first issue of of X Force, and it's got the double page spread that's ripped off of a New Zealand spread. Yeah, right. And just just the the close up panels that that Rob does of someone gritting their teeth or their mouth falling open and just the piles of rubble around that's everywhere. Like that is so, um, so evident in, in crisis. And the more you look at it, you're just like, Oh yeah, this guy. And it makes sense. He was, he was huge. I really ended up becoming, I've been such a Marvel freak with very light exceptions. I kind of dipped my toes into DC you know, from here or there or something, but it was not really, really, really until the jump over of, I, as such an X-Men fan, I started picking up um, Wolfman and Perez's Teen Titans and then seeing the house ad in that from for Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. And from there, it just really accelerated. But like Wolfman and Perez were my in into DC and... 
I, I suspect I'm not the only person from that time and era that, you know, that had that experience in that sense. You know, it's just, anyway, it's just two really monumental losses. And like you said, it's hard it, not to go full, you know, oh, end of an, an era. era is over. Yeah, exactly. But, but like, it kind of, like, it kind of feels like that. Or like the end of two eras, because like I said, yeah, Adams define superhero comics mm-hmm. from what sixty eight through seventy four. I mean, yeah, seventy four, six, yeah. something like that, mm-hmm. right? And then you do get like Perez basically coming up around that point, you know. And then by the time the Perez is on New Teen Titans, which starts in what eighty eighty one, something like that. Yeah, right. Like it's all the way through Crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Perez is the shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perez is the, like you're literally into Perez or Burn, and that's it. Right, right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's yeah, it is. It's it's so, um, it's it's such a major loss to to comics. But it it's this is a strange thing to say. I feel like it's more a major loss to comics culture. Hmm. Um, because you know. I, I've I've been to oh shit I don't know like at least ten San Diego Comic Cons uh, in the last like fifteen years right mm-hmm. um, Neil Adams was always there Jeff yeah Neil Adams was always there Perez was there almost always you know as far as I remember he'd he'd be mm-hmm. a guest somewhere um and and they'd always be popular. They'd always be talking to fans. They'd always be, right. be, be part of it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, and they'd be, uh, they'd not only, they were not only, you know, important figures in the history of the industry. They were giving in a way that I, I think the industry needed. And, 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 and creators needed and fans needed. Mm-hmm. Which is to say, like, you know, they were offering advice to new creators. They were sharing stories. They were they were like they were part of the culture, even beyond their creative works. You know, at, at the at the risk of um churning up uh like I don't know, just just kind of a big rotting bag of garbage no <laughs> but, i look forward to this yeah i think it'll be minor i'm i'm just unfortunately a little little short for for analogies or apt ones uh i feel i i think part of it is is that um you read a lot of interviews with creators or i don't know maybe it switched around the time i gave up reading um sites like bleeding cool or the beat or whatever people would come forward and they would talk about their comics projects and how do i put it they were they always did a sort of like oh yeah i'm a i'm a huge fan of the material i've been working on i've been a fan of comics forever and you know and yet they're still kind of understandably hustling the synergy of like and that's why i've got you know 
Widower X, a uh, image miniseries that I basically sure. describe as Hunger Games meets The Matrix. You know, two yeah. very popular comics. And, you know, I think that Adams and Perez never so clearly never had to present their their bona fides you know and but i think in a way that could be um it, in a way the way that it's part of an era is they are the people who were in comics like like you were in at that era at that time you were either in comics because you were a huge fan of comics and it went without saying and you wouldn't really have to you literally would not have to say that in an interview you know or you were a huge drunk or both you know what i mean and so <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's i feel like that's such a to the extent that the era is going to pass i do feel that what we're starting to see or will start to see are um the passing of members from how do I put it like a a period of creators in comics who were creators in comics because they wanted to be creators in comics you know like yeah. in it in, in another decade or so like you start seeing people who are getting into comics because they're going to they're going to make it rich. You know, the the black and white boom maybe, uh, you know, where everyone's trying to do the next Ninja Turtles or the image books or and then it just kind of gets to levels of people, you know, where we're at now where people where it's a genuine viable strategy to create a comic so that you have a proper so that you can more or less shop it in hollywood as mm -hmm. an understandable option you know mm -hmm. as as a viable product that you can show interest in or things that seem hype and cool it seems a million years away from you know a. uh, uh George Perez in the Bronx, yeah. like drawing the, you know, Sons of the Tiger, you know, with like just crazy. I mean, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. Bringing incredible amounts of passion to um, characters that arguably barely deserved it, you know. And I say that as a Sons of the Tiger fan, I guess. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's an entirely different time. And so I think we start seeing giants from that era. And I mean, you know, there were a lot, there have been other people who died who just, you know, we, we lost Michael Fleischer and man, that guy, whew, like, like talk about some highs and lows, but you yeah, know, yeah. that guy has tens of thousands of pages of comic work mm -hmm, out there mm -hmm. in the world you know, um, but seeing, starting to see people who were just, um, I don't know, you know, again, in that way, sort of straddling the world between someone like John Basima and someone like Rob Liefeld, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's I, I don't know, like the, the other thing that, that it sounds melodramatic to be like, I'm thinking about mortality. <laughs> Right, especially after Perez, right? Mm -hmm. But I did have this moment of 
suddenly becoming aware in a way that goes beyond the abstract that like you know Engelhart's going to die in my lifetime. Yeah, right. You know I mean, like Walt Simonson's going to die in my lifetime. That's right. Like, and that's a that's a, a, an odd thing to think about, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. right. No, I, I agree. Some, I had that same some, feeling. Yeah, like yeah, oh, something oh, shit. I've been thinking about mm-hmm. lately for 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 various reasons. Some of them professional. He hints um, <laughs> is. Uh, Mar- I feel Marv Wolfman is due for like a reappraisal, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel that Marv Wolfman gets weirdly overlooked, which is such a crazy thing if you consider Crisis mm-hmm. uh, and New Teen Titans, right? Right? Like he did New Teen Titans for like sixteen years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like he wrote, you know, a hundred and what eighty issues or something all told. But right, like he's basically the equivalent of Claremont and X Men. Right. Um, and yet I feel that people are like, well, Claremont's X-Men. And no one's like, well, Wolfman's Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, he like he wrote Crisis. Yeah. No, he... You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. but, but Perez dying genuinely did kind of make me go, oh, shit. So... Right. Yeah. <laughs> so at some point, you know, Marv Wolfman's not getting any younger. <laughs> Right. No, none of these people are. And the thing that's funny in this weird staggered ages thing is, you know, when I I was reading comics when I was 12 that I didn't realize at the time were being drawn by people who were like, I don't know, 19, 20, 21, you know. And and when you're 12, of course, that still seems like an absolutely unbridgeable gulf. Yeah, but of course, the older you get, like, I'm like, it's really hard not to be in my brain being like, oh, Jesus, you know, George Perez was practically a contemporary. And he's, that's sort of that weird telescoping effect as you get sure, older, sure. you know, that's like, eh, not really, honestly, if you think about it, Jeff. Oh, but, no, per- per- so Perez was 67, I think. Yeah, right. But so like, Wolfman's 75. Wow. Is he 75? I didn't realize he was that yeah. much older. Yeah, I guess I should realize that because he was he was kind of in the edges of trying to break in back in the '60s, right? So, um, yeah, I no, I, well, I mean, that's I think that's the thing that is interest to me that is interesting is in a way most people I think in the comics arts are very lucky. Well, it depends on how you define it. You know, are you lucky to live long enough that you become taken for granted, you know, and then only reapprised when you're dead? You know, it's like, I feel like, or do you do just this incredible shot of work and then, you know, you disappear, you go on to do something else, you you end up leaving the field and then people are still kind of like, you you sort of have that mystique. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like part, in a way, I think you and I were talking a few months back about, you know, Wade and Perez's Brave and the Bold and Mm -hmm. how it was a big commercial failure. And was it a failure because of Wade? Was it a failure because of Perez? Was it kind of both? And I, and I, I remember kind of picking up the books and being like, yeah, Perez's art is um 
you know, it's on point. It hasn't, it hasn't degenerated, you know, it's yeah. not, uh, bless it's him. It's bad. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not current Frank Miller as opposed to classic Frank Miller, but, but, but it also has that thing of like, it's, you know, it is, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of worn into its groove. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, Wolfman, you, you can talk, you can talk about his, I actually had someone reach out to me, uh, you know, a Twitter friend who was like, Hey, is Tomb of Dracula worth reading? Is it worth the investment? I'm like, um, yeah, you know, and, and, and it's, I say that as someone who still hasn't read it, but I'm like, yeah, it's, I mean, that Tomb of Dracula was huge for Wolfman, yeah, yeah. you know, uh-huh. and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just massive. And he went on to do stuff that was so different. And Teen Titans is sort of a definer. On the other hand, the fact that he wrote a hundred and eighty issues with and has talked openly about how he was maybe blocked for forty for like, or yeah, fifty. For a of number them. of years on it. Right? And that's that doesn't that doesn't uh I don't think that does your reputation any good, you know? No, he, but that's that's uh that's that's a shame, I guess, is what I'm I saying. agree. I agree. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I maybe this is you know maybe this is part of the telescoping process. Maybe this is just me getting old. Maybe this is me thinking about things in the light of Adams and Perez. I wish that we, as a comics culture, mm-hmm. had more appreciation for creators before they die, mm-hmm. and I wish that we had more of an appreciation for the the cycles of those creators yes do you know what i mean yeah. uh like like wolfman talking about them being blocked honestly morrison's Substack with their annotations about the green lantern mm-hmm. have been wonderful for me mm-hmm. because it's morrison being very open about like i i wasn't really feeling it i rushed this issue it didn't land this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um i think that's that's as a process junkie, fascinating as shit. But I also think it's really important and valuable to have creators not pretend everything's great. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like so much so much of like you're saying, so much of interviews with creators now are honestly just promotional interviews. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just sell books. Right. And that's fine. I've done many of those. I hope to do many more right. in my career. Right. Right. They serve mm-hmm. a purpose and honestly sometimes you get great shit out of them. Right, but you get as much, if not more, shit out of a conversation when someone feels safe enough to say, "Yeah, I fucked that up." You or, know, I didn't live up to my expectations. Well, I wouldn't do that again. Interestingly enough, I think one of the things that is ironic is I feel like everyone was so sure that for a period that it was like. I'm leaving comics and you're never going to see me again. And so you saw these amazingly candid interviews from people like Wolfman and Ween and Engelhardt. Oh, oh and... I, I, I think of like some of the, the 70s stuff that Engelhardt was doing when he was like, yep, I'm basically doing Batman and Justice League as a favor to Jeanette Kahn for a year and then I'm fucking off and becoming a novelist. Exactly. And at the same time, they're like, and Jim Shooter is the most obnoxious shit who barely yeah. understands comics. You know what I mean? Like the Vitupra. Yeah. Of comics journal articles, interviews from those times are so eye-opening. But, but kind of like 
it's kind of the last generation that almost was able to that, do that. That. Was, that was willing to do that, yeah. Yeah. It's um I don't know if you saw, but the beat this week published uh, in two parts, an oral history of JLA Avengers from the eighties yes. mm-hmm. that was uh, written for the hardcover release of the actual JLA Avengers crossover that got published, and then was pulled by DC mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because DC said it didn't make anyone look good. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, like it doesn't, but also doesn't really make anyone look bad either. Yeah. One of the things that's fascinating about it is you have even contemporaneous interviews with Perez and Thomas, Roy Thomas. Mm-hmm. Who are outright like, yeah, Jim Shooter doesn't want this comic to exist. It's fucking Jim Shooter's fault. In a way that I honestly, with the exception of like, you know, maybe Mark Miller when Mark Miller was like, fuck DC because they blacklisted me. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a contemporary creator who would be as willing to name names for want of a better way of putting it. As, as Perez and Thomas? As Perez and Thomas are in there, uh-huh. yeah. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I have to say that oral history, it was strange because I only read part one and I'm like, I would swear I've read this before. And, and you've read, you read a lot of that before. Okay. I think it's the first time the whole thing was there. It's been, okay. And, and one of the and things. To be fair, part of, part of it is that oral history for the most part draws on ex- pre-existing material as opposed to his, his new interviews. Right. And so I think that may also be part of it is I'm like, okay, I feel like, you know, between some tomorrow's interviews and maybe a comics journal thing and an amazing heroes thing or something like I felt like a lot of the contours of this I knew, at least in part one, the weird part. And this is great for those keeping track at home. I know there is a a certain uh, segment of the audience that always finds it hilarious and understandably so. Uh, when I suddenly have remarkably more uh, empathy for middle management now that I'm a middle manager than I, I ever used to before. But reading the first part of that, I was like, oh, like kind of like, oh, I see how, like for me, I kind of had a weird moment of like, oh, I see how this, A, how this happened, how there there are two very different management styles here. And let's face mm-hmm. it, the first part, which really does deal with uh, the first attempt to do JLA Avengers with Jerry Conway, and everyone's like, yeah, it was shit. Like, they, they're they they're not quite saying the story is <laughs> shit, like, oh, but there's oh, no. varying they, degrees. They, they pretty much are. Yeah, like, some people clearly is... are. Yeah, yeah exactly. For all intents purposes, they're all saying, like, this was... Uh, I think someone even says something along the lines of, like, DC didn't even care if it was good. They just wanted to get out and make money. Right. And 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 how do I put it? I feel like I have I I have tremendous amounts of respect for Dick Giordano. I think he he is someone who really helped transform the face of DC and really was a guy who understood kind of the freelancer plight like it's like yeah they're not all good and you just keep making them some something a little bit like what morrison espouses at various points in their Substack, and and you kind of get that on the other hand it sounded bad and seeing shooter be like no look like you like i care about quality i care about quality and the other thing that that i i totally can see dozens of mismanagement slip-ups where people are, you know, people at DC are just saying, just go with it. Like, we've got to hit this on time, George, go with it. It's not going to be a problem. 
you know, and then suddenly it is a problem and they've done 20 pages or whatever. And they're like, okay, this is fucked up. Like, I, like I really saw how it's two very different management approaches mm-hmm. clashing in, in a yeah. weird way that, that I was like, wow, this is the closest I'm going to have to having sympathy for Jim Shooter for quite some time, you know? And, and yet at the same time, seeing how the people at DC were kind of like, yeah, you know, you do a job and okay, maybe they're not feeling it. In fact, maybe it's terrible, but you know, like, you know, you got George Perez doing it and George Perez is going to save it because that's what George Perez does, you know? And, and just, and seeing, and I'm not saying that honestly, it's, you know, I just, I do have to say one thing that impressed me about the first part of that round table was like, I was like, yeah, I don't really see, thankfully, I didn't really see villains there. Like I kind of, and it may oh, no, turn no. bad in part two. Like, like, but... like I, I, I think what's really interesting is that there are, there are, um, I don't think there are villains. There are selfish actors mm-hmm. in there, but I think the selfish actor part comes after it's gone wrong, for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I think about the fact that cause the, the thing about the first Justice League Avengers crossover that never happened is um, the fight went public, mm-hmm. right? But the fight didn't just go public in fanzines. The fight went public in Marvel and DC Comics. Mm. Um, Marvel yeah. H ran a report that's like four or five pages, which is lengthy for a Marvel Age story, that is unsigned, but I think at this point everyone just accepts it was written by Shooter. Mm-hmm. Presenting the Marvel version of the story, mm-hmm. which is basically, we just want good comics, you guys. Right. And DC doesn't give a shit about you, and mm-hmm. they just did, they just didn't even listen to us, and they didn't even write us back. Right. Um, yeah, and that's pretty Dick, shitty. Dick, Giordano responded in his meanwhile column that appeared mm-hmm. in multiple DC comics. Yeah, basically like the inside front public. cover of everything on those months. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went public in Marvel and DC books in a way that like it never had before. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been the fake competition, not brand egg, mm-hmm. you know, distinguished competition, yada yada yada, right? But it's never been, for want of a better way of putting it, like real or mean before. Mm-hmm. And then you get you get this like probably should have written Marvel Age article, which is either misinformed or outright misrepresenting the facts to make DC look worse. Hmm. Uh, and that's when, like, there is bad actors getting involved. Mm-hmm. That's when things get shitty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, like, I personally believe should have wrote it. But mm-hmm. even then, I think it's motivated by two things. One, Shooter's incredible uptightness in general mm-hmm. and unwillingness to ever accept that he could be at fault for anything. Mm-hmm. But two, I think Shooter felt really hurt by the fact that all the creators went after him in public and fanzines. Yeah, probably. Probably. I, I can like, I, I can I, see I, that. I and honestly, reading this story, I'm like, I kind of get it. Like, again, I think there's also a little bit of the problem of Again, as a middle manager, I've done a situation where I've bent the truth for a, a hair up about something that was going on with something on my watch. And then I got found out and and it was bad because it was like, 
okay, this is going to resolve itself peacefully. I'll just tell this little white lie. No one will be the wiser. And then it blows up and you're like, fuck. And what I, what was interesting was rather than anyone at DC sort of owning up to that, at least again, in the first part of that, again, behind closed doors, um, like you said, everyone kind of was like, oh, but this is just, this is just shooter being a dick. And, and I don't, but the thing that's funny is I don't necessarily think that Shooter was being a dick in this instance, but as so often happens, um, you know, you never you never go down for the biggest crime that you pull. You know what I mean? Like you always go down. <laughs> See, here here's the like I'm, I think you're right. I think it's very much like a clash of Marvel and DC cultures at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the reason people thought Shooter was a dick is. The shooter already had a reputation as being a micromanager. Yeah. Like, like very strongly. And this, you know, very much aligns with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think there is no small amount of uh, upset on behalf of DC editorial and the creators involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the lack of trust that they can fix it, like iron out the wrinkles and uh, while everything's moving. Right. Does that make sense? Like, I think that DC and, and Conway and Perez, like, I mean, have you read Conway's actual plot? No. I, it's, like, it's out there. Right. Right. There might have even been a link in the first part that I didn't click. Yeah, because Tom Brever literally posted, like, Conway's plot and all the, the Perez pencils. Mm-hmm. Like once, mm-hmm. um, and a Conway's plot is not actually as bad as it's made out to be in that thing. Uh-huh. Like it's not, you know, it's not great either. But it's it's fine. It does the job for real. Um, but Conway's pretty open, even in that plot of like, I'm fudging a lot of details, but we'll work it out as we go. Right. No. Right. Which like, is like again very, how they very do it. Clear, yeah. Right. right. More or less like George, as is your preference. Like, I've left a lot of this stuff vague. Right. Okay? And I think that they genuinely did. And then Thomas, later, when Thomas steps on, because Conway's off the project, Mm -hmm. uh, they're all working this assumption of, like, yeah, it's very much imperfect, but we've been doing this for a long time. Just leave it with us. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. No, Um, no, no, no. I get it. Yeah. And also, there's no small level of... I mean, you've read the, the Spider-Man's uh, Superman crossovers, right? Yes. Right. No, I mean, honestly... I mean, I, well, see, and the, I I think that that's it. I think, interestingly enough, one of, one of the fun facts that I did not know uh, in the course of this... Um, in, in the little uh, oral history, at least the first part, was the announcement that that they were planning on doing an annual X-Men Teen Titans crossover. Because the first one... Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first one is by Claremont and and Walt Simonson. And all of a sudden, that's the thing to me, is all of a sudden, like three or four books in, people are suddenly like, oh shit, what if we did them and they were good? You know? Yeah, like. What what if we did them and they worked? Yeah, what, what if people actually did take the time to craft something and put a degree of, of, you know, passion to it and not just kind of product, you know, that had a few cootsie poo type sort of things, but hits the dead, hits its marks and goes on. 
And so in in a way, and this is one of the things is I can see how Conway's like you said, not that bad, fix it in post. There's there's a lot to that. There's a there's a huge amount of the understanding of sort of working Marvel style, which again Perez preferred and many artists of the time did. Um, you know, the sense of that you and I have talked about that one of the things that makes Engelhart so great is how much of an improv-er he is and how much weird improvisation there really is in comic book stuff. Um, to jump back, one of the things that sort of struck me um, in one of Tinian's uh, free Substack newsletters, he sort of talked about how making the transition out of crafting superhero comics, and particularly Batman comics, like there was always this weird step of here's what you wanted to do here at some stage it always got wrong twisted and became something else and then you had to roll with it and make it into something new and make it work and he was like and this happens again and again and again with big comics and there's a joy to it but it's also he was like but i was also tired i wanted to i wanted to actually execute the things that i thought of when i thought of them and yeah i wanted to actually do the comics that i wanted to do right and i can see where there's there's an entire generation again at that stage that came out of working in from the marvel method that was like yeah you know the writer sort of provides the spark the artist makes it all work and the writer comes and provides like a certain amount of continuity and you know story continuity but also zip and pep and you know a little bit of the the sprinkle of the pizzazz but like you can't be too wedded and again these are guys who spent decades not and of course one of the things that's kind of insane is shooter you know who in my mind sort of is this character who had this insane dickensian childhood that only got capped by an even more dickensian um period of working under Mort Weisinger on Legion of Superheroes, like learned to uh came out of the DC method and was like and really brought the pre Stanley Marvel, you know, DC method to Marvel. To, to get Marvel. It to, yeah, yeah, to get it to even be as, even as DC Marvel. was becoming more like Marvel. Exactly. Exactly. And so you know, ironically enough, it happened at a period where both of them were flourishing, which is interesting and great. But like, so there's, there is that weird reversal. And again, part of me is like, for myself, you're right. When you get to Shooter just being kind of an angry shit. But like I said, like everyone bad mouthing him at that point, you know, Shooter had fired these guys, undermined these guys, canceled <laughs> books out from underneath their friends, like saying, like, honestly, like the, you and I read that amazing issue of Avengers, you know, where Englehart is taken off and it's finished. Midway through the book. Yeah. Midway through the issue practically. Right. Or, you know, it's yeah. like he's, he's yeah. there for 150 and then it's, he's pulled off at 151 cause he doesn't deliver it in time. And then it is published with like again shooter writing not just a passive aggressive letters note but just an aggressive aggressive letters note of like 
this this was unacceptable and we apologize to you the readers and it was like ooh that's nasty and that's even before you get into is like cocaine fueled like you got to take down master kung fu because the storytelling's like swedish wallpaper or whatever the hell he said well and you know our secret wars 2 which starts with a steve gerber swipe oh yeah like a character assassination in the first issue just puncturing him like shooter and that's the thing shooter like shooter shooter actually was a shit he was a shit and so the idea that as far as he was concerned and this is ironic reading at least the first part of that oral history i'm convinced that he was completely flabbergasted that he really was not being a dick and was being treated like he was and so lashed out in a completely super aggressive aggressive way and like i said you don't go down for the worst crime that you do like you get away with that crime and then everyone's like you're not getting away with that again and that's what that's when that's when shit gets weird or alternatively that's when like russell crowe wins an oscar for gladiator you know you're just like that makes no sense and until you see la confidential and you're like oh okay right yeah sure right absolutely right he should have gotten it for that he gets it for this it makes sense it's it's the oops we're late and slow you know story <laughs> of, of uh, the academy awards and crime look for my new novel uh coming out from uh who's 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 the publisher who does all that true crime crap anyway uh, true crime i was gonna say hard case crime but that's not who you're talking about yeah no i'm thinking of like saint martin's press or something like that the sort of guys who are like yeah we'll totally publish this book at because we're never going to pay you. Um, yeah, now that I've committed my first act of slander and it's an hour I was, in... I was going to say, that might not be Sir Martin's Press. Let's just throw that out. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great. This is the news on Monday. Jim Shooter and St. Martin's Press team up for a lawsuit against Obscure Podcast. It had to happen. Shooter... Quote, Shooter, like, by the way, co-wrote Spider-Man and, sorry, Superman and Spider-Man, the second crossover between the two of them. Mm, right. And let me tell you, that's not a very good comic. Yeah, yeah. I, I You know, I didn't read it. I have to say, I, I'm still kicking myself for not buying that weird trade paperback collection that collected all of them that you can't get. Yeah, the, yeah like volume like, one, which now you just can't find for love nor money. Right, and it's a shame, because I, I was like, oh, you idiot. Oh, I so want to read the, that second Spider-Man Superman crossover like because it's not but I'm not going to pay $140 for it because the point is it's you know both of those were terrible the Batman versus Hulk one was I mean let's face it that's still inspired and it's such an inspired mismatch you know they were just like yeah I mean and again where things are kind of in the same way that Spider-Man and Superman are like eh Huh? Well, they're our biggest sellers. <laughs> biggest seller for number one meets biggest seller number two, Batman and Hulk. And I'm like, what? Yeah, and then it's going to be House of Mystery and the Silver Surfer. You know, and it's admittedly the House of Mystery part has 50% reprints, but that, nah, it's okay. I mean, so is the Silver Surfer part. So. <laughs> I, I just um, looked on eBay to see how much that trade paperback is going for. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I was going to say $140, because that was that's, what I... No, that's actually more expensive than that. The cheapest one I can find is 50 Oh, shit. $50. Mm. 
So, you know, mm. there you go. It's called Crossover Classics Volume 1. Wow. Okay. Well, my problem was, of course, looking for the Lazy Man's version, which is looking on Amazon, where they, like, you know, where it's three times as high, but chances are good it's actually going to show up at your door, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, I paid $40 for a full-color photo of the cover to Crossover Classics Volume 1. I really should have read it. that fine print. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it, though? But what a photograph. You know, so, Graham, what else do you want to talk about? I have things, of course. Um, I'm sure you have things. Yeah. Um, what else? Let's go for your things first. Okay. Uh, because we've, well, I mean, we have talked for like an hour now mm-hmm. about the sensibly about George Perez and Neil Adams and like the, 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 the an end of an era. So, so yeah. Just, what else do you want to tell us, Jeff? Well, so a few things. One, the Batman. I dug it. It's three hours long. Um, there's a lot of people who thought that it was, to put it mildly, overwrought. Um, it's overly long, but it's uh, it's drastically overly long. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the what the hell happened that they were like. Yeah, I don't, I, I just I you know again in that weird like oh yeah you can't have a Batman movie without a natural disaster like what? So I don't know, but. Well, but overall, but also, like, I liked it, so much of it. It was kind of shocking. Um, I, I, I liked it. I just wished it had been two movies. Mm, mm, eh, I, well, I mean, that's. I think the thing that kind of sucks is the um, is the ambition of it that it's kind of like, oh, I'm I'm launching everything. And I think that's one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting about the Batman is it really is kind of a, you know, whether Reeves works, whether Reeves had, you know, the HBO max synergy in mind, whether it was anything, it really very much has this idea of like, we're going to, we're going to tell a story about the Batman that is going to essentially lay out the, the entire world. Like, and that's sort of why, that's why you've got, Riddler there that's why you've got everything digging into the history and the mystery of of Gotham all gets laid out and it and it again a lot of that worked for me but at certain points it's just you know so many superhero movies and I think we were talking about this uh at some superhero movie that I liked what's that Oh, I thought you were talking about because we talked about this last week when we weren't recording. We we were, but I think there was something we're talking on air about uh, Shang Chi or um, some other Marvel movie or maybe another superhero movie. How often they're just they're too goddamn jammed full of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they're just mm-hmm. overly full. And the Batman, even though I would say that it is it has the best justification for doing so it's still way too fucking big like i mean there's things where you're just like why why colin farrell you know what i mean like just why the penguin there's just every stage you're looking at that and you're like but fucking why like the amount of time that you devote to him by the time you chop that shit out you could actually have stuff in there so that some of the john turturro stuff comes closer to landing the thing that's a shame is i know there was one little like oh this is a really good structural thing that i wish they'd done um 
and that's going to lead me into talking about West Side Story, the Spielberg version. Because have you finally watched it? Finally watched it. Finally watched it. And Graham, I gotta say, like apart from the some of the storytelling changes, which I thought were great, like the um, the reframing of the play it cool. Uh, music number so that it's between mm-hmm. uh, Tony and Riff. I think his name's yeah. Riff. Um, is so smart. It's really great. Like, cause, cause it, it, there's so many problem fixes that are so nice structurally. I was like, oh, okay, this really is a better West Side story in terms of solving a lot of story structure problems. Like, Honestly, if you didn't get Ansel Elgort, if you had maybe gotten someone a bit better, t- Tony would is might have a chance at working. You know what I mean? Because some of the stuff that they did with him, where it's like, oh, he almost killed a guy, and he went to prison, and he literally comes out, and he's you know like haunted by what he almost did. Like that is such a like. There's all those little pieces that are really great, and again. Um, the color and the cinematography and the choreography of some of the dance numbers was really good. Um, but I also didn't like it nearly as much as the original. I really thought that there was stuff that I'm like, this doesn't land. And maybe part of it also may have been part of the problem is I saw it so close to the Oscars, um, where the... (laughs) The woman who played Maria didn't get invited to the Oscars because yeah, 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 yeah. seats or whatever. I was just like, it just that kind of left this weird bad taste in my mouth. Like I hate to say it, but I walked out of the West Side Story being like, oh, right, Spielberg really wanted to cash in on Hamilton, you know? And it's just, it's just, it it was weird feeling that way. So obviously, on the one hand, I am a person who can feel no joy unless it's for something as absurd as someone dressing up as a bat. But I liked it. It was okay. But it was... I, I kind of love that like, you didn't really like West Side Story, but you loved the Batman. Yeah, I, I don't know. know why. Like, I feel that it's a very specific thing that I can't <laughs> quite get my head around. Yeah, no, I get it. I know. I mean, because it is. It's, re- it's, it's almost indefensible. And I and I get that, and I, I actually sign up for it. Well, like, I don't know. I feel there's, I, I maybe just because like I am very much the opposite. Whereas mm-hmm. I loved West Side Story, and I thought the Batman was like good, but again, right. was like should have been two films, had real pacing problems. Right. Uh, you know, I I think Batman is at best a really interesting flawed film. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And and see, and that's where I think I think a to the you can't really talk about things with art and be objectively right or objectively wrong, you know. But I would say that the general consensus agrees with you. And and by even general consensus, I mean people who like movies, like who really have a passion for cinema, are like West Side Story is fucking amazing and the batman was kind of i mean it was okay sure i mean it's a thing you do that thing and so i totally get that and and that's the weird part so i know objectively subjectively that i'm wrong and 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 it's amazing how well, but, uh, I mean, as you you're know not, but again I, you're not necessarily wrong it's just like that's 
we have different opinions, I guess. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And I was going to say one of the things that also sometimes works is the difference between when you sit down and watch something and how do I put it? You have no expectations on it, right? And then you're like, oh, that was surprisingly great or, oh, that was surprisingly bad. You know, I walked into West Side Story thinking that it was going to be great. And sometimes when you do that, you you kind of fuck up the curve for it. You know what I mean? Like you walk out being like, wasn't that great? And I walked into Batman being like, okay, this is going to be a bloated mess. And I walked out going like, mm, I love the love handles on that movie. You know what I mean? So it's just. <laughs> okay. I have to ask about the Batman. Um, there's the, the um, John Turturro mm-hmm. plot, right? Right. That ends like with 45 minutes of film still to go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh did you have the same re- reaction to me which was i was really satisfied by that and then went oh shit i'd completely forgotten about the riddler uh you know well so so like, I, think... I genuinely had I well no like, but i was like you know that's not a that's not a great ending but like i kind of like where that landed i like no, i'm glad totally. this film is about to end oh no it's not well, and and so I think I agree with I I absolutely agree with you. I think one of the things that's really hard is um you you kind of get that little showdown with uh Batman and the Riddler where he's like, "Oh shit, the Riddler knows I'm Bruce Wayne. This is going to be the end of the Batman." And you get that scene between the two of them and it goes in this different place and then reopens up things that you thought you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, but I mean, you know, up until that point, it's like, oh, he's in prison, you know? And it's like, okay, he's caught. Like, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's kind of that weird, um, you know, Avengers and James Bond and like a lot of these modern franchises have the whole like, Oh, okay, it's done. No kidding, just kidding. This is an extended third act. Like, and it usually ends with the villain getting imprisoned, and then he breaks out. Or, um, yeah, the villain gets imprisoned, but it's part of their plan. Part part of their plan, exactly. Like that is such a thing, and probably I'm sure it was a thing before Dark Knight, but Dark Knight and the Avengers really cemented that shit. And it now practically seems like a shit. Now I'm like, shit. When does Skyfall come out? Well, see, in Skyfall, same, same, same year as Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's kind of a, this thing of like, okay, it's it's a fucking thing. But um, and I and there were parts where I was like, it just seemed it kind of seemed like they. I I get people who sit, who felt like the studio sat down with notes and were like, you know what, this isn't a big enough third act. We need a third act. And he's like. I'm not going to change what I've done before. And they're like, well, what if you just make something bigger? You know what well, I mean? Yeah, what if you just, what if you just add the bit from zero year? Right. And so it just, you know, or maybe, or maybe that was baked in. Cause I got to tell you, like, I like Matt Reeves a lot. Um, but I remember watching that third planet of the apes movie, which is three hours long. Or I don't know if it's really three hours. It felt like You're like it felt like three hours. I honestly I don't even think I've seen the second one he did. I remember yeah. going to a press thing for it. Right. Or maybe it was that the third. Shit. I'm gonna have to look well, up okay. the planet. Well, part of the now. problem is is that 
there's three of the Planet of the Apes movies. He he didn't do the first one. He did the second one and the third one. So yeah, I'm, okay, the so third the Planet, Planet of the Apes movie is his second Apes movie, and the okay, second so, and third uh, movie. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Dawn of the yeah, I guess it was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. No, it yeah. must have been War of the Planet of the Apes. War of the Planet, War of, the of, the Planet of the Apes. Because yes, I I remember the poster. Um, right. Yeah, I have seen neither of the, those films. I, and I I love them, and I think that, you know, they don't totally... The second one doesn't... To, actually, I'm not sure if either of them, per se, totally land. They're huge, vast improvements over like, the work, original. But... No, 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 no. How do I put it? Like, uh, I mean... The the second one has the shit that you really wanted from the first movie, but part of the pro- part of the problem with it is um, kind of like sort of in the Godzilla movies, the human characters are underbaked, right? And yeah, but yeah. they're there for a lot of it. But all the ape mm-hmm. shit is great. And then in the third movie, it's so much ape stuff and and that should be fine and then the human presence is late and relatively minimal um but it's also like this is, and part of why i like the batman is reeves has a really strange i'm convinced um love of sergio leone like the third planet of the apes movie is kind of the good the bad and the ugly with like apes and it and that's fucking great but he also pieces it the way that Leone does so it's it's just it's long and similarly there's shit with the batman where i'm like oh fuck he's doing some kind of crazy ass shout out to like high plains drifter or something like that and it's great like he his his weird nod to the spaghetti western characters is just fucking phenomenal um but Anyway, the third the third Apes movie, which is the second one, is ex- is excruciatingly long and is also sort of similarly built because Reeves is a modern screenplay guy of like, no, no, this is how you build screenplays now. Act three is actually two separate third acts so that just when you think you've hit it, then the kicks into another gear. And it's like... Yeah, but everyone's exhausted by that. No one likes it. And they're in there like, yeah, but it keeps making tons of money. So yeah, yeah, but know. it works. Yeah, right. So it depends yeah. on what work works means, right? As you define works. So well, I, I, when people say yeah, but it works, they mean it made money. Right. That's true. Exactly. And and to the extent that the rest of us were like, meh, uh, eh. I mean, like I said, I'm starting to move into that weird realm of. Vibes, the Vibes movie. Oh, Graham, the Vibes on the Batman. I was just sitting there being like, oh yeah, this is great. This is great. I'm seriously, I don't know what's happening to my brain <laughs> that I'm like the film Vibes from the eighties. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Oh my god. And let me tell you, Robert Pattinson brings all the energy and dynamism of a young Cindy Lauper. Um, <laughs> I've got to say, bless Robert Pattinson. I thought he was absolutely fucking ridiculous as Batman. You know, I, I, I think I'm just doomed to never actually liking a, an on-screen Batman. I think I get it. I think he, I think he was one of my faves. I thought Christian Bale was terrible as well. Yeah, Christian. Honestly, Christian Bale was deeply disappointing. I, I would. 
Uh, Pattinson was arguably my my favorite because I think he did all the shit that I wanted from a movie Batman and then they moved it on and went more and I also do like the fuck that you know people were talking about like yeah Batman that like the fact that Edie watched it and she was like she's like you know one of the things is like by not making him like a playboy by just making him be like a a rich person, but not like a, here I am successful for the ladies, but looking like he's never really even kissed a girl, um, made it more real. You know, it really did, I think, work and speak to the idea of like, and I, and I think that's one of the things that I, I sort of liked about this version of the Batman is he, he was played like someone who was fucked up without having to be fucked up. Whereas, I would argue, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but certainly Keaton and Bale in particular were ones that where you're kind of flirting with the idea that he's fucked up, but you're only kind of flirting because, A, honestly, Tim Burton could not be asked. He really is just more into excited about the set design he was able to get away with. And, you know, Chris Nolan is like... He, he's fiscal conservatives are the only thing holding society together. He can't be a madman. You know what I mean? Like Batman has to be the sanest person who's strung up by his, by the paradox of actually caring about a society that's so hypocritical that if they catch you, like, I don't know, not paying your taxes, they totally take you to task. Those bastards. The Christopher Nolan story. Anyway, as long <laughs> as I'm on a roll, I want to tell you about my new theory about uh, Jonathan Majors, aka the the what was it? The one who persists. The the he one who's who stuck remains. around. He who remains. He who remains. Wow! Graham, so we're just flipping onto Loki. You really are just like going at it. I am. I am. So you, so I got I got hot takes. Loki. I got I got lukewarm hot takes Loki. for days. Yeah, sorry. I finished Loki. We talked about Loki. We talked about Jonathan Majors. I, f- I apologize to Martin Gray who complained about it and didn't didn't like uh, Majors much and thought it was hammy and didn't like us talking at lights. I'll keep it Whereas short. I I loved him. In the I loved him as well. And I have a great theory about the Kang that is that is arguably better than my theory about. Um, uh, what are those guys called? The TVA, the TVA being, you know, condensed. Yeah. Still a good theory. Um, my Kang theory is this. Are you ready for this? And this is the. I am. Go. So there's one great fact, and there's one fact that absolutely kills it dead. So Jonathan Majors is the one who stuck around, who remains. There's a whole bunch of him that essentially reached out, discovered one another, built this whole thing. Then the bad ones came, started turning things around. He's the one who managed to be the good guy who does it by pruning the timelines, right? And then at the end, they undo his work, and he's like, okay, well, you know, I'll see you again soon or whatever. He basically says, like, wait till you see the worst ones, and then implies that he is going to exist again because the whole thing's going to happen again. Right. So, he's not called Kang. We assume at every point that he's Kang, he's Reed Richards. 
you are remembering like the weird continuity around Kang in the comics, right? Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. No, no, no. That's the thing. It's all laid out perfectly. We remember the Council of Cross-Time Kangs. We remember yeah, you, all you the remember other stuff. remember who Kang is in the comics, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's the problem. It got retconned. I never made my way through, like, Avengers Forever. He's, I think it tapped he's, out. He's Nathaniel Richards. Oh, God. Is that, was that Busick's final answer? Or was that, like, uh, in the DeFalco I, stuff I forgot about? I, it's been in a number of different comics. I want to say it's... Uh, I don't know if it's music. Like, I, it's it's in the Hickman stuff. Okay. Well, that could be. I, I, which is... Which fair, is uh, obviously the stuff they're following for anyone who knows what happens in Doctor Strange. Okay. See, and I don't know the stuff in Doctor Strange, but my thing was... Because it, it was actually based on a rumor that you half mentioned to me that I was like, uh... Mm-hmm. Um which I, I don't think I'll repeat on air, but it, it wasn't in the forefront of my mind, but I was just thinking about the fact that they didn't call him Kang. They had Ravona. They had all this sort of, we're leading you in this one direction, which, and Marvel sort of likes playing the misdirect card on it. And I was like, oh, wait, what if they do it where, you know, the whole thing with Hickman and his Council of Infinite Reads is a pretty big chunk of FF. And so I was like, Oh, what if he's going with that? And then the way that we get the, get to the FF is they're the ones who more or less save help come in to help save the Marvel, the MCU after evil Reed has more or less brought everything down. Um, I don't think it'll work because if nothing else, one of the things that, um, the one who remains talks about is the fact that he they met in the 30th century or whatever. He's like a scientist from the far future. <laughs> yeah, he he, uh, he ostensibly at least at some point lived in the 31st century because it's the 31st century he says when he discovered the multiverse. Right, right. So right, either at that point maybe he's been immortal the whole, whole time, but I think chances are better that it was that. I'm like, at that point, you start getting into a weird, like, like war- well, warping the idea of the Fantastic Four to have them basically come out of the multiverse, but from the it, future. It, to throw a spot in your work, you know that Jonathan Matrix was announced as playing Kang first, right? Yeah. I mean, he was announced as playing Kang, sure. You can, okay, I'm you just... can, I'm just like, Graham, what are you saying that the stu- do you, do you not think that the studio would like totally bullshit you about that? Do you think, I'm do you think saying, that they would I'm turn around and if, make, yeah, I'm saying that if they announce he's playing Kang, he's playing a character called Kang, even if they retcon Kang into being someone else. Such as Reed Richards. Yeah. I, oh, I can't, I'm not going to say it because there's spoilers I'm not going to say. I'm just going to say there are reasons why that is complicated, Jeff. I Okay. I admit, like I said, the 30th or 31st century was, again, my sticking point. Like, this isn't going to work. Oh, but, no, no. There's a, there's a much more obvious, like, reason why that's, that, like, that's unlikely to be the case. Okay. Well, you'll have to tell me off air because I guess it's yeah. a big spoiler. So, yeah. Anyway, that was anyone, my theory. Anyone who's Doctor Strange knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's very interesting. Slash exciting. Wait, have you seen Doctor Strange? No, but uh, this is something that like I knew ahead of time. Oh, I see. Look at you. 
It's on. honestly, Jeff, if you've yeah. been on the internet uh, and not, <laughs> like, not for real. Oh, this is great. It's very talked about in the last couple of days. Okay. Like, very talked about really? in the last couple of days. Wow, yeah. I'm very. I'm. I guess I'm glad I've been going through crap. Anyway, yeah, everyone, think, just like my other theory, not have it spoiled. In, enjoy, enjoy my delightful misreading of the films. Like I said, it was just an idea. Definitely not a thing. It's the sort of thing that if I were 15, I would write like 500 pages of fanfic and then insist that my AU was better. Speaking of which, did you see that Jim Ruggs Hulk comic that came out this week? I didn't. I didn't. Was that this week for real? If it wasn't this week, I think it was last week. No, 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 it was this I, week. Because no, it was I, like I, I purchased it on like May 4th, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's Grand Design, right? It's, it's a Grand Design comic? Yeah, it's a Grand Design yeah. comic for, for Hulk. Um, and and it was, it was like, talk about diminishing returns, I think. I was incredibly disappointed by it. Um, what's, it what's it called? I got it here on my thing. Don't I? Wait. Why am I looking at this list? That's the wrong list. Give me one second. It's called Hulk Grand Design. It just looks up. Is it? I thought it was called like the Mouth of Madness or like Hulk. I'm... It's called Hulk Grand Design Monster. There we go, Graham. See, why do why do you? I think Monster is just the subtitle for issue one. Right, and the other one might be Madness or something. Anyway, yes, thank you. Well, man, uh, surely. Because it's monster, man, or is he or monster. Man? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's it. Is he man? Is he monster? And... Volume three, is he both? Both. Uh, anyway, I didn't like it. I, I have to say I was very, very bummed out and disappointed. There's bits and pieces where I'm sort of like, oh, okay. Like, there's one or two <sighs> points. Yeah, what? Sorry, I just looked into it. Uh, so you bought Hulk Grand Design Monster Issue 1. And Issue 2 isn't Issue 2. It's Hulk Grand Design Madness Issue 1. See? Right? And that's what I'm that's saying. That's just, that's annoying as shit. Isn't it? Yeah. It's a yes. two-issue miniseries, both of which are issue one because they've given them subtitles. Yeah. That's really fucking annoying. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Well, speaking of really fucking annoying, I think one of the things that's kind of a a bummer is just sort of the diminishing returns of the project. And and also in a way like where The project being like Grand Design? Grand Design, yeah, which is, you know... Letting a uh, uh, acclaimed indie cartoonist like kind of create um, a grand design for a particular character. Like I, I feel like Ed Piscor's work um, on X Men, which was the first project and most successful in the at least financially, and paved the way for these others. Like it's kind of ironic. Like I feel like Jim Rugg and Tom Scioli are both artists that I respond to much more and i feel like Scioli manages to bust out some crazy ass moves at the end of fantastic four grand design that makes it worthwhile for me did they do a spidey grand design or not yet did i miss uh, that no, I I just so, no. um but rug on the hulk where i'm like oh this is going to be great you know because i think of rug as being just sort of his work having so much uh energy to it but 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 not like this, to quote Bendis's Hawkeye. Um, it just was, it's strangely flat. It's like there's a couple of full pages where I feel Rug is trying to um, talk about maybe the experience of growing up reading Hulk comics um, mm -hmm. while also trying to, you know, 
nod at this encapsulating veneer. Like there's a great page that has sort of Hulk rampaging and almost like cutout figures that look like stickers or almost something like color forms laid over the page. That's very fun. Um, and that happens once or twice that changes things. Oh, there's a the first appearance of Wolverine um, is with really the second appearance, but the but the cover of him popping up is you know Rug draws it as like a half completed drawing, like almost on a high schooler's uh, notepad or something um, with ruled paper and stuff, and. And those were the parts where I was like, oh, that's okay. At least there's something here. And at least there's an idea that it's going somewhere. But the rest of it really has the sort of, um, I don't know, like if you really wanted to pay $7 for a comic with the vitality of um, a comic book that they used to pack in with detergent, you know? Oh, like it's, shit. Really? It, it's really, it's really drained. Because, you know, again, Rug kind of brings a lot of... It, the vitality is in his storytelling. His his figure work is whatever. I, and Yeah, I don't think Rug is an especially exciting artist. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think that, again, I think that they're... That what makes them an exciting creator is the unexpectedness of their choices, and so right. the idea of them to cover versions of someone else, especially something like Hulk, yeah, sounds kind of exhausting. It's like Seoli, for example. Seoli is nuts, right? You know, right. like Seoli tries to be faithful, right, and and fails, and it's the failure that's that's exciting and fascinating. Well, also, I think like you know when you look at Piscor's X-Men, one of the things that he does is he starts he takes all the info from the front and he works works it into the beginning and so you're getting all this weird shit that's him like in many cases suturing together Chris Claremont backup stories from the back of X-Men Illustrated or whatever the mm-hmm. reprint title was with the originated stuff. Uh, classic and X-Men. Classic X-Men. Like lots of stuff with that where you're just like so it's like you're 30 pages or 40 pages in before the X-Men pop up even. And then Scioli kind of does, a, you know, tries to figure out a way to recraft the, the opening sequence so it makes sense. And then later goes on to crazy stuff. But, you know, uh, but then in between is sort of shackled to the idea of like, yes, now I have to be faithful to these things. And I'm going to do my sort of, you know when redraw of a particular panel or two with occasionally some popper energy and rug. One of the things that's fascinating to me about rug is, you know, the Hulk is a character that has had just this crazy ass retcon, you know, thrown 300 issues into it with the idea of banner is having DID and being uh, abused by his dad. And that's not in the first book at all. Like that, like not at all. That's a at pretty all. important retcon, right? Like, and so I think Rugs like, no, this is this is Hulk from the beginning. He's like there. The bomb goes off. The Russian guy, you know, does the you know pushes gets them to push the button, and you know, and and Banner becomes the Hulk as a result of it. And you know, Rick Jones is jumping around in the background and then he's not. And, you know, and Rugs kind of doing like shout outs, particularly during the 
pre two hundred issue two hundred era of Incredible Hulk, where he's like, yeah, hey, like, but I mean, he's all he's already. He's like on the abomination by, I don't know, it feels like page eight or something like that. I'm like, holy shit, you're really not going to give this any room to breathe. And like I said, when he does, there's those few moments of like just to the level of, you know, like I'm really trying to talk about what's important about the Hulk, which is kind of this thing of like, growing up with a character and how your perceptions of the character change as you grow up, I think is what he's going for. And yet it does, it's only reflected on some of those kind of bizarro transition pages, which are more closely tied, I think slash hope, I, I guessing to rugs, personal growth and transformation, not really where it happens in the book for the whole character. So it's kind of weird and it's kind of weird and kind of like, I'm like, it's, uh, it's a dramatic failure as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And considering it was like, I don't know, six bucks or something like that. I'm like, Oh boy. I <laughs> like, it's an, it's an unpleasant failure. I, yeah, exactly. I did like Jeff picked the back, the wrong horse on that one. So, um, that's kind yeah. of disappointing. Yeah, it, honestly, I was I was kind of bummed. Oh, and speaking of which, speaking of kind of bummed, kind speaking, of disappointed, speaking of being bummed, I canceled uh, my subscriptions for to both Avengers and Avengers Forever. Finally. Oh uh, wow! Okay, before we move on to that, because I want to say this before I forget, you referenced Spence's not like this. Did I tell you that I realized that actually comes from the Matrix? Uh, oh, you know, I wondered about that because we saw the Matrix recently too. Um, it's one of the characters who dies in there. Is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who Joey Pants kills? Mm-hmm. Does, does not like this. Not like this. Oh, no. Right, right. Is it Tank inside the ship or whatever? No, it's tank. one of the ones inside the ship. Right. Okay. Okay. I can't yeah. remember it, but yeah. So that's where it came from because it always it always stuck out. When Hawkeye did it in the in Ben's book, and right. it's because he's ripped off of uh, Matrix. Anyway, moving on, you've cancelled Avengers. It just finally got too much for you. Uh yeah. I mean, why don't I have this? Wow, did I fuck this up? I kind of fucked this up. Um, I didn't cancel it. <laughs> no, you're right. Exactly. Well, I mean, first off, I'm just. Part of me is sick of Amazon slash Comixology shit. Like, it makes it impossible to figure out when you bought something, when you build something. Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, you ordered this issue back on blah, blah, blah. But that's all minor potatoes. It, it What ultimately it boils down to is I, I enjoy Aaron's ideas and I hate his execution these days so much. Like, like... This is going to surprise you, but what made me quit was the latest issue of Avengers Forever, which is Doctor Doom torturing another Doctor Doom. Like, you know, it's like, find out my story as I torture them. And I'm like, this is the second torture-based issue in, like, five issues of comic storytelling. Like, it's just... I just don't... I just... I feel like like Aaron has is working at some level of either 
I mean, again, trying to lean into the hacky screenwriting, t- you know, tips of like, oh, it's all got to be like the biggest story ever. And you've got to have the personal stakes. And, oh, here, how can you make characters like talk about what they're doing to one another, but also have it be dramatic? You can't have them just washing windows. What if one's torturing the other? Perfect. And I, yeah, I just hate it. I was just like, I don't, I don't like this at all. Like at all, at all. So why am I, why am I, let's just jump off. Why am I paying money for this? Right. And I had stuck it through with Avengers. I was sure I was going to jump off at issue 50. Then issue 50 was kind of interesting. And then Avengers forever came out. I'm like, oh shit, that's really interesting. The art was kind of nice. I'm like, great. You're like, is it? Yes. No, no, I, 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 I'm. That's not me being sarcastic for once. Oh, isn't it? That was me being sarcastic. Uh, no, because <laughs> issue fifty, I seem to remember, and I might be misremembering because I'm reading a Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't issue fifty just the end of the the She-Hulk story? Um, I think I think that wraps up in the first third. And then the other two thirds are teasing the future storylines to come and rebooting some of the characters and changing their status quo. It is, and it things. is, it is, and it's introducing the it's it's also introducing like the the Avengers Forever and there's right. a, uh yeah, okay, I just looked it up. Yeah. Um, but Avengers Forever seemed uh What's a good way of saying this? Seemed like the most boring, generic version of the idea imaginable to me. Like, it felt like Aaron has, for a while, been reading Morrison's Multiversity again. Mm-hmm. And went, oh, that bit at the end with the former Justice League, that'd be great. But what if I have no interesting versions of characters for it and the reason for them to exist? You know, and you and I just happen to disagree because i mean on the no, one no, hand but, but, i like, see like, your point really because but... isn't isn't the first issue just like ghost rider driving along being like oh fuck i'm ghost rider and i'm being hunted by i don't even fucking remember all drones or something right uh like i mean deathlocks maybe see so it's deathlocks so so i mean and that's the thing graham like you're a little more of a dc guy i'm a little more of a marvel guy so some of the things no, that Aaron's that playing with you, is there? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I'm I, very excited I, I'm, to get to the end of one of my sentences. Like, beyond Ghost Rider being hunted, is there anything else in that first issue? I'm going to have to look it up now. I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I'm like, I thought the art was pretty and it seemed like it had some fun ideas. I'm a big fan of of the sort of Marvel multiversal, like, I was like, oh, doing an Avengers story, like you said, that's multiversity, but also kind of in the what if Exiles vein, like Marvel's got a pretty established track record with that. And again, I think that Aaron... Oh, I, I've actually just... I've gone back to look at the first issue. It's... I, I'm totally misremembering. I'm, like, genuinely misremembering more than half the issue because now that I'm looking at it again, I forgot that I actually hated it with such a passion. <laughs> oh! Yeah, because well, this it's, took it's a real the, good turn for me. <laughs> no, because it's, it's Ant-Man who is really Tony Stark in yes. the universe where hope is a four-letter word. <laughs> Do you not remember? <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Yes. Oh, God, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I genuinely had forgotten all of that existed because I remember when I was reading it, I was cringing so hard. 
Well, I'm, I'm glad, Graham. I, who was a dumb person, liked it. Or rather okay. thought it had potential and then decided that it did not. Okay. It's funny because I've literally reread Multiversity this week. And I'm like, okay, so what What about it had potential? I said this to someone who enjoyed Justice League Infinite or Incarnate, whatever it was called, that, that just finished. Which was essentially like a five-issue series that did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But for me... That works because if there was a much faster through line, uh, even okay. though it's essentially like five issues of filler. Yeah. <laughs> what well, it, it isn't isn't it's it's I say that because it's literally the the middle chapter. It's the middle act between Infinite Frontier and Dark Crisis, mm-hmm. right? It's right. The, it's Infinite Frontier as you now know because you bought the trade and it ends in the weird place. Um, ends with like. Barry Allen has been like thrown into I can't remember if they say where it is at the end of Infinite Frontier series or not so I'm not going to say it in case I'm spoiling something for you he's been right. thrown into somewhere else um, yeah. and and the the like Justice League Incarnate are like oh where is he and then the five issues are them theoretically looking for him and shit happens but right. like shit actually happens in Justice League Incarnate in like what? Five, it literally ties up the dark side plot entirely. I mean, okay, I'll take your I'll take your word for it, Graham. I'll take your word for Shall it. Shall I? Do you want me to spoil it or not? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Dark side. So it turns out, dark side is. Uh, they think dark side is the big threat. Dark side is not the big threat. Dark side is trying to stop the emergence of the great darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it leads into dark side having a fight with the great darkness and losing. Okay. Um, various members of Just League Incarnate die, um, and they visit a bunch of different Earths in the process, okay. including Earth Prime, where you find out that in a hilarious twist that I'm totally spoiling, I'm sorry, because this is actually a fun bit of, of gimmickry, um, two characters end up working for DC Comics because they realize that the comics are, the, are realities. Mm. They work for DC Comics and they have an editor who gives them bad editorial notes who turns out to be Darkseid. Oh, that is genius. I gotta say, that's pretty brilliant right there. Because they basically are getting notes like, no, why aren't this, like, what what the superheroes lose? Right. <laughs> like, that's a really dumb idea. Why would we want, and they're, you know, at the same time, they're like, we can't lose because, like, we're the good guys and we're spurring the good guys. And then, like, it's, it's, it's not Eddie Bergadza, but, like, this fictional editor is then like, I'm fucking Darkseid. <laughs> that's great. I gotta say that is delightful. Um, um, no, but but again, like they do that in five issues, right? And so, like, Darkseid is basically, and also you get like you know the the new history of DC mythology, yada yada yada, like thrown in there as well. Mm-hmm. Like they cover a lot of real estate in five issues, mm-hmm. and like Avengers Forever. Shall we say in the two issues that are up on Marvel Unlimited, does not seem to have anything close to that level of momentum. <laughs> right. Like, would you, first would you have said very much? No, but it like, I'm not even sure. I know what the story of Avengers forever is by the end of the second issue. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And well, maybe like, again, I, you know, on one level, sure. I think yeah, I'm a more DC guy. You're a more Marvel guy. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I'm also like, yeah, but like, two issues into Avengers for her, I'm still like, I'm not entirely sure what this comic's about other than 
there's a multiversal team in What If, and they thought it would be fun to have a multiversal Avengers book out at the same time to tie in. Mm-hmm. Like, beyond mm-hmm. copyright, I don't know what this comic's about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And that strikes... that Like, that bothers me. As Even as someone who's reading this for free in Marvel Unlimited. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, but why should I keep reading? If I don't know why this comic exists, why should I keep reading? It, totally fair. But you, like, your mileage varies. Because you kept reading through, well, at least issue five, right? No, at most but, issue five. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like, I, well, I don't know what issue is on now. Is what I'm saying. I, I think I think the fifth issue was the one that came out this week that I then mm-hmm. canceled on. I, I could could double check. Uh but like you, oh. you at least were signed on through there. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. The uh, fifth issue. Right. No. <clears throat> uh, okay. So well. This is going to be hard because every time I try and talk about the things that I was interested in, you do a very good job of presenting all the things that you were did not like. And it's a little <laughs> harder for I'm, me to actually talk about the things that I d- do like in a way that doesn't necessarily um, disprove what you don't like about it, which is kind of the weird angle I feel like I'm getting out of this. So it this may not necessarily work. For me, I think that the in a way, the 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 they are upping the stakes of there's a big set of multiversal baddies who have conquered the rest of the universe and they're all these sort of um Marvel amalgams um are is as a super big threat can i think live or die in sort of whether or not you kind of appreciate what they're doing with it you know like whatever it was like infinity thing or whatever you know like there's little bits and pieces where i'm like yeah as long as i'm reading a marvel comic this seems to sort of have some Again, wit to it, I can see that you didn't necessarily think so, and I think that that is entirely fair and viable. Like I said, by the time I get to the fifth issue, I canceled, because I feel like, again, Aaron's quote-unquote, the wit, the things that I like that you do not see in it, were um, kind of superseded by just sort of making the story quote-unquote mean something by having characters like tortured relentlessly as a way of showing how evil the villains are and kind of how the heroes are heroic via persevering against impossible odds like you know like in that sense that's kind of superhero storytelling taken to an extreme where do you go when you go to the farthest edges of that I kind of like the idea of, like, here's a thing where you're going to get all the sort of weirdness from the multiverse, especially for me, where I'm like, the chances are that I quit this book two issues before the issue where Razorback is, like, the Herald of Galactus in some, you know, future universe, which means nothing to anyone but Jason Aaron and me. I was still... going to say that, but that does feel like an incredibly Jason Aaron idea. Let's be like, let's well, Absolutely. 
Right? And so there's part of me where I'm like, okay, so yeah, this could be fun, except it's not fun. And I totally get that it was not working for you as fun and felt just cynical and crap. And I totally get that. I'm just not going to be able to answer any of those questions, which again, you insistently kept asking (laughs) while I was trying to talk that I don't think I will ever be able to answer for you. Apart from saying, like, her tastes are a little bit different. I, I think it's funny. I, I take it back. Part of what I said that I think was triggering was I was like, you're a DC guy and I'm a Marvel guy and you, it's just not your thing. And I feel like that's how we got the last big Avengers fight with Jason Aaron, where you're like, no, it's that his work sucks and it's bad, Jeff. It's not that I'm not a, a, a as much of a Marvel fanboy as you are, as much as that stuff is horrible and Jason Aaron should be shot in the head and dropped in a grave. And I get it because that is the nature of most of our arguments. <laughs> I say something like Tom King sucks because I think his Batman is a terrible character. And you're like, oh, Jeff, so you just think that because you're a bigger Batman fan than me, you have reasons to hate Tom King and think that he should be dropped, at, you know, shot in the head and dropped in a, a shallow grave. I see what this is. So I think I've learned your trigger. And let me just say, I respect you, Graham, as a fan of Marvel Comics and is a fan of DC Comics. Let us walk together in brotherhood the way that Neil Adams and George Perez would want. That's a beautiful Okay. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh dear. Oh dear indeed. Um, well, I'm I tried. i pivot away from all of that. <laughs> uh, to tell you about a comic, I, I'll do this very quickly because I know we're coming up in, in two hours. Uh, to tell you about a comic from Marvel Comics that I unexpectedly fucking loved. Mm-hmm. Tell me the more. death of Doctor Strange. Ah, yeah, right. That's Talk by um. <clears throat> that's Jed McKay and the Garbage. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. and I, I am weirdly on the fence about Jed McKay. Uh, really? I know people who swear by him, mm-hmm. who think that like he's just the bee's knees, right? And I have not gotten that from him uh i have instead gotten what i like to call uh jerry duggan on a day when he's writing under another name (laughs) Um, and i like i i don't even really mean that as shade against either writer i think jerry duggan is also perfectly serviceable Oh, absolutely. That's why I appreciate the fact that he's writing under another name. Like, oh, Graham, I I appreciate how much you're trying to turn down the shade after letting the shade loose and and blinding all of us. It's fine. No, but no, because again, like, I think Duggan's fine, right? And I think Mm -hmm. Jed Guy is fine. Mm -hmm. You know, like, they've written stuff that I've liked and they've written stuff that I've not. Mm-hmm. You know, and in many cases, I think when Duggan gets like his biggest opportunities, that's when he disappoints me the most. Mm, interesting. Like I think about his um, his Guardians of the Galaxy like run. Mm-hmm. I think just ended up being a complete fucking mess. <laughs> like just a, right. a shocking, completely collapsing in in itself mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think his X Men's kind of weirdly spinning its wheels. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like he has either no direction or he's, like, desperately trying not to go down the direction because he's waiting for something. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know, the, the, I don't. I also don't dislike him, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's right. not read and I've not read anything by him where I'm like, well, that's shit. <laughs> right. Time, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, same is true of Jim Guy. Like, you know, I know people who swear by his his black cat, and it seems fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's it it neither, you know excites me nor repulses me i'm like that's certainly a comic that does exactly you know the bare minimum of what you'd expect it to do Mm -hmm. and if this is your favorite character you probably love it right right um and like you know uh, i'm reading the the beyond issues of spider-man on marvel Mm -hmm. Unlimited as well he's he's one of the writing staff of that Mm. and his writing there is again it's fine it's doing the job Mm mm-hmm like beyond in general is a weird fucking story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're reading it, but it's fucking weird and it's fucking over long and it's you know, it's such a weird thing. Like it's a genuinely odd, fascinating thing. Um but like, Do you mind telling me a little bit more about it? Uh so Beyond starts off with uh Ben Riley reappears and he's calling himself Spider Man and he's now working for the Beyond Corporation. Hmm. who are, like, generic, shady corporation with science elements, like, you know, number 72 in the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. And he shows up and he says to Peter, like, I'm Spider-Man. And Peter's like, ah, we should talk about it. I don't understand I'm (laughs) Spider-Man. Like, like, uh, the Beyond Corporation bought the trademark of (laughs) Spider-Man. Give me it start. Because, like, Doc Octopus trademarked it when he was Mm. possessing Peter Parker, and then Parker Industries went bankrupt and Peter didn't pay attention to it and then Beyond bought the trademark for Spider-Man. Funny. But this goes nowhere because then there's a fight with the UFOs that puts Peter into a coma. So Ben Riley is now the only Spider-Man left. Mm. Mm-hmm. And across, like it's a 19-part story, Jeff. And that's Good not the Christ. Christ. Uh-huh. Right? Jesus. And they're, they're on maybe, like, part 10 of Marvel Unlimited. Like, I know where it goes, because I've, I've seen the the reports, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. where that is Marvel Unlimited, like, we're maybe only halfway through. And there's been really slow progression in the direction that you 100% know it's going. Right? It's not done anything surprising at all. Mm-hmm. Like, literally nothing. Mm. has happened that's surprising multiple villains have come back and been like beyond shady and Ben's like are they maybe they are shady I don't know and then I'll cut to like someone in the beyond corporation being like oh you're fucking right we're shady but we're not going to tell them yet like that's it right yeah 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 right um and it's as this is happening Ben is losing his memory because mm. it turns out that he keeps finding out that Beyond is shady and they wipe his memory. Mm-hmm. And that this is causing, for all intents and purposes, a cascade failure. So he's losing other memories as well. So mm-hmm. you get the scene where someone's like, it's like you all you said your Uncle Ben said, with great power comes. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. like that's your mm-hmm. signifier that, you know, shit is wrong. Right? Right. Um, and Peter's wake, woken up. But he's like, oh, can I be Spider-Man now? I was in a coma. Oh, shit. And so he's got to get trained to be Spider-Man again. Mm. Like, but it's it's this weird thing where it's a 19-issue story. Yeah. That feels so much like it's playing for time. 
Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you know yeah. exactly where it's going, and at no point does it surprise you. It 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 really does sound like someone was like, we really need to bring back the Howard Mackey era for new readers or something, because it reminds me of that period, sort of the during the original Spider Clone stuff, where it was like. We're just dragging the point out as long as possible, if not longer, you know. That yeah, does not how, sound... how long can we drag this out, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Jeff McGuire's part of the, the writing team of that. It's Zeb Wells is the guy and is the, the lead writer, and there's a bunch of different writers. Salton Ammon's there. I think Kelly Thompson's there. I might be making that up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and Jeff McGuire, and there's, I think there's another couple of writers in there. And... Uh, I think it's. I could be wrong. I think it's coming out weekly, mm-hmm. or you know, it's essentially what if New Fifty Two had one story and did it really slowly. <laughs> New Fifty Two. What if Fifty Two had, had one story? Yeah, and right, right, exactly. Right, because yeah. um, it is. It's rotating writers and rotating artists. Um, but again, like he's doing it fine. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing in his issues that's standing out one right. way or another. He is maintaining quality, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea he's writing Death of Doctor Strange did not seem thrilling. <laughs> right. Especially because Death of Doctor Strange in itself felt, felt fairly cynical. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And then I fucking loved it. Huh. Then I genuinely loved it. Um, the, because of the gimmick. Mm-hmm. So the gimmick is, and again, I'm just going to spoil this outright. I'm spoiling mm-hmm. it to like issue two of the story. Um, Doctor Strange dies, but the person who's investigating Doctor Strange's murder is... Doctor Strange from the past. Mm. So you basically get like the lead Ditko Doctor Strange back when he's calling himself the Master of Black Magic. Wow. Hmm, that's and funny. he's like, this is a failsafe that my future self put in motion. I don't know who any of you all are. Wow. Huh. That's uh, that's uh, that's curious. I would certainly... It, it's yeah. like a fun idea, right? Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, there is, of course, more to it because, of course, there's more to it. Mm-hmm. Um... But, like, everywhere, it has tie-ins, which, honestly, it does not fucking need. Almost every, it feels like, you know, quote-unquote event thing at Marvel these days has tie-ins, which they don't need. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also read Darkhold, the, the you know, Steve Orlando Scarlet Witch series, which, mm. for all intents and purposes, is a two-issue series with five tie-ins. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's kind of... Uh, Steve Orlando, like they, because you know? they did that with him with that man thing, uh, thing that was just kind of crazy too. Whereas, like, yeah, it's like five one shots of man thing with other characters, and then here's our big finish, and it's like, oof, yeah, that was that's rough. Um, so Darkhold, and you're not enjoying that as much. Or... Darkhold, Dark, well, Darkhold's kind of. Uh... It's it is this weird thing where there there are more tie-ins than there are parts of the main story, right? And the tie-ins crazy. are really generic because because they, they're they're model of the tie. So the Darkhold, like, is this magic book that corrupts everyone? Right. Uh, there's Getty discovered. Doctor Doom is looking for it. Wanda goes to it, and it goes to the Scarlet Witch goes to Doctor Doom. Is like you can't read it. Anyone who reads it is going to be corrupted. And Doctor Doom's like, ha ha, I'm Doctor Doom. Like, fuck you. Right. Um, and like you know, I am smart enough to outwit it, and he is spoilers. But everything goes wrong, unsurprisingly, and the Dark Cold corrupts a bunch of superheroes. And all the mm. the tie-ins are like Dark Cold Spider-Man, Dark Cold Captain America, 
Because, mm. like, now they're evil, magic versions of themselves. Mm. But the story is just in these two issues of Dark Holes. Wow. Right? And you're mm-hmm. like, well, why? So, yeah, so Death of Doctor Strange similarly has a bunch of tie-ins, which add nothing to the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, literally add nothing. Mm. Yeah, characters being like, yeah, Doctor Strange is dead, I guess. <laughs> oh, something weird <laughs> magic happening, because Doctor Strange is dead. Right, right. Uh, well, that's a bummer. I mean, you know, it's interesting that you're enjoying the main series, which is great. Uh, and you're in a position where you can read it on Marvel Unlimited and dip into the one-shots if you want or totally, completely ignore them. So. Yeah, I, I would recommend everyone ignores them, to be perfectly honest. Um, but but like I said, the, the main book is, I think, is super fun. And by the end of it, sets up Jed McKay doing this Clea series. Mm-hmm. In a way that feels completely earned. Hmm. They are like, oh, I'll read that book. Sure. Right, right. I, I, I'll read Clea. That, that'll be fun. Like, if mm-hmm. you can do this on a monthly basis, sure, I'm on board. Right, right. Huh. Okay. Well, that's good to know and worth keeping my eyes peeled for. Uh, is a, Now that I've got a certain Marvel-shaped hole in my reading list um uh i feel like we're right on the very neck of uh two hours we are recording this on free comic book day i know that uh on your most recent uh newsletter which i will link to in the show notes you talk a little bit about the free comic book day offerings um do you want to mention them super quick here for people who may or may uh, so not have I, the possibility. I suggested that people should pick up the Avengers X-Men one, which is the introduction to Judgment Day at Marvel, the summer crossover. The Dark Crisis one, which is uh, basically a preview of Dark Crisis at DC. Mm-hmm. Best of 2080, because I just really love 2080's um, free comic book day offerings. And again, for the third year running, it's the only place you'll find Al Ewing doing Judge Dredd again. Wow. Um, his, his one, I've not even read this year's. Um, but his one from last year was so fucking good was mm. so fucking good was genuinely like he cracked the how do you do a John Wagner like one off comedy strip wow which I would believe of course because it's um, Ewing because but... it's all about uh, uh, an undercover judge who is posing as a lawyer who is trying to get people to incriminate themselves <laughs> Which is just like a great idea, mm-hmm. you know. It's just such a, a wonderful sort of you know, mega city one. Of course, the judges would do that idea that I right. really really like, um, and of course because it's because it's Al Ewing and because it's it's Dread, um, said undercover uh, judge has grown a conscience, uh. and and doesn't want to keep doing this, which puts mm-hmm. him odds with, of course, with the judges. Yes. Um, Shit, what else did I recommend? Uh, the Clementine book. The, the, um, oh, yeah, Clementine Walking Dead by the, the Tilly, Tilly Henderson. Tilly Bolton. Tilly Bolton. Bolton. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, which also you... has previews of, of the other YA books, of Skybound's other YA books in there as well. Which I, oh, I, interesting. I just, like, I'm just weirdly fascinated by Skybound doing YA stuff, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tilly Bolton feels such an odd fit for Walking Dead that I'm fascinated by it. Right, yeah. And uh, I, I think, in a weird way, it's much the benefit of Walking Dead. Well, yeah. I think, yeah. If, I think right. if Walking... I think if... if for want of a better way of putting it, if, if uh, 
Kirkman can convince readers that Walking Dead doesn't have to be only home to his style of storytelling, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it seems a lot more long-lasting, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 and also do, doing it as a YA property, I think is really fucking interesting. Yeah, definitely. You know, saying saying this as someone who today had to talk to the nine year olds and basically say, "No, you're not getting the Walking Dead VR game." <laughs> you're nine. Ooh, years old. oh, okay. Well, wait. Why aren't why why aren't they getting that? Because I think it'll terrify the shit out of them. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. Okay, that's probably fair. It's probably fair. I mean, uh, I, I I say this in part because like other VR games that are scary have terrified the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, doing a zombie one is genuinely asking for trouble. Oh, yeah, it really is. It really is. I mean, I think I've told you, like, I went through, this was kind of, a, it was kind of a bummer. I definitely went through a period where I had reoccurring zombie nightmares. Um, and Edie was like, just, why don't you maybe knock the zombie stuff off? And I'm like, no, it's so good. You know, then I watch a couple of George Romero movies, and then, of course, I'm like, ah, zombie alligators, help! So, yeah, you know, I mean, that's... You're like, I understand. I do, I do, seriously. I'm um, like, me and the nine-year-old, surprisingly simpatico, or perhaps unsurprisingly simpatico. I was gonna say, that's not the first time you two have been simpatico, so... No kidding, no kidding, it's um, so true. Anyway, uh... Uh, shit, what were the what were the other ones I talked about? You talked I do remember that you recommended oh, the like the I am oh, yeah, the, the Incal Universe. Universe one. That's right, I forgot about that. Um which honestly was such a surprise to read and enjoy for me. Uh I I don't think I was alone in going, wait, they're spinning a bunch of comics out of the Incal. This is a terrible idea. Right. Yeah. And I genuinely surprised myself by really liking that one shot, which is basically an introductory story by Mark Wade and, and Pete Woods, and then excerpts of two of the upcoming projects. Right. Oh, right. One of Pete which is, Woods one, is doing that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of which is um, Mark Russell and Yannick Paquette. Wow. Um, yeah. Which is, a, if nothing, it's a great creative team, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. Um, but no, it's... it's, it's uh, and this makes sense, I guess, because it's, for the most part, American creators. It's basically a less trippy version of the material that reads very much like 2018 heavy metal toned down. Right. right. Right? But even just the Mark Wade's Woods introductory story mm-hmm. felt like a simplification of the material that was not disrespectful to it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. To the point mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> wow. I think just the concept of them doing it in the first place just made me go, no. no right, this, of course, yeah. Like, this this is wrong and bad, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then seeing that, that introductory story, I was like, oh, shit, could could they do this? Like, is there is there something here? Wow. Um, And, and maybe there is, based on that. that right. Um, which is, you know, I, I, what genuinely was a surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Um. What else did I mention? Fuck. I mentioned the AWA one, which mm, I can't remember right. the name of, but it, uh, what I liked was it's it's like 40-odd pages because it's an English-language version story and then a Spanish-language version of the same story. Oh, right, which, which was a great idea. Yeah, Like, yeah, right. why aren't we getting bilingual comics in free comic book day? Mm-hmm, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's doing more of that. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's it. Oh, no, I mentioned Joe. I said people should pick up Jonah just because I really like the art. Right. Right. Which is basically, it's a free comic book day reprint of the first issue. Of the first issue. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, there you have it. So hopefully people can find those either on store or I, I didn't even bother looking. Comixology is such a nightmare. I wouldn't even I will tell you right now, look. Comixology does only have the DC ones available today. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, the, I've... Because, uh, of course, DC are, are like unofficially part of Free Comic Book Day now for the most mm-hmm. dumb fucking reason ever. <laughs> really? Why? What's the... Because of the Diamond being the yeah. official... Wow. Because that, that Diamond run, Diamond runs Free Comic Book Day. And so if you look at the Free Comic Book Day website, DC is not listed on there. They're wow. officially not part of the lineup because Diamond is that petty. That is some petty-ass bullshit. They're going to find their asses in court if they are not careful. But when, uh, how would they? How would they? Because they are behind it. They are the organizers of Free Comic Book Day. Well, so, yeah. They get to say who does free comic book day. I'm actually more surprised that DC is getting away with doing the local. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Wow. That is still, that is some impressively fucked up shit. Wow. Good, good note to, good note to end on, Graham. I got to admit, I'm like, hmm, it's, it's nice to know there's, uh, there's still forces in comics that are pettier than you and I talking about Jason Aaron's Avengers comics. That's, uh, it's kind of it's kind of reassuring almost. I'm I worry that like you think we're actually falling out over that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, uh, falling out. I'm like, no, I'm like you know, I don't actually care that much about Jason Aaron's Avengers comics, right? Uh, I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to think we'd fall out over something that I care about at least. Oh, I think you should listen to this episode because I mean you. Kinda, you kind of were cock punchy about it in a way that I really did was like, oh, maybe it really is the like, oh, I talk about myself being a Marvel guy and you're a DC guy and you, you, you kind of. I just I, think it's I, not good. It's not. I, I, it's not. I know, but in a in a in a weirdly kind of unbridled, um, cut you off, yo you down kind of way that's kind of it's strangely I, I, I for apologize you. if like me cutting you off for that as opposed to me cutting you off for everything else I cut you off for well is, that's I like, mean that's weird. true yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. genuinely no, like if weird. I am if I am like cutting you off in a worse way like yeah. that's 100% not my intention I, I appreciate that I appreciate that like I said it just felt like a thing of like like kind of like I can't believe that I'm back in this corner of literally trying to defend comics that I just said that I was stopping reading, and you're like, no, Jeff. Like it was very Great Gatsby ish. You know what I mean? Like sort of that way that Great Gatsby. You know how? You know how? I don't because I've like, never read Great, Ga- Great, Great Gatsby. Gatsby. That's why I'm laughing. Like I'm laughing that you're using a literal reference I literally don't get. Wow, you've never read the Great Gatsby? No. It's one of the best superhero novels of all time. <laughs> I have this. I have this conversation with Chloe all the time, where like she'll reference books like American Street in High School. Yeah, right. I'm like, I read the day in the life of like Alexander uh, uh, Ivan Denisovich. <laughs> like, oh, that's right. the shit he reads. You guys school. got the good stuff. Read, yeah, exactly. We we got the bad stuff. Buster Bridge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Anyway, uh, this, there's a there's a point where where Gatsby goes too far, and it's essentially. 
he's done so much to 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 capture the heart of the woman that he loves that he could never have in part because she was rich and he was poor and so now he is super mega rich and and she's like okay i'm kind of into you but his part of part of what makes him uh, a a figure a deeply american figure and a figure the greatness of him is is that his his imagination is um pure and vivid and 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 sort of tr- keeps trying to transcend reality and in a sense the way that he goes for it is he more or less wants her to say cuz she is married another old money person by the time that he re-enters her life um is he tries to get her to say that she basically never loved her husband that he she always has only loved Gatsby and she can't she can't quite say it and everything sort of falls apart after that so um i don't know how i was tying that into us but no, it no, was going to be I, stellar i i i'm i'm Oh, that's it. Yeah, it was the whole idea of like you. No, like Jason Aaron's Avengers was never good. Say it. Say you never liked it, Jeff. And I'm like, I, what, what I not did. Have... No, I did. If that's what it sounded like, I'm saying that's not what I was trying to say. I was just trying to say that Avengers Forever seemed utterly pointless to me. Right. No, I like, know. It seemed like copyright. Like it seemed like a, it seemed like corporate synergy as as opposed to like having any creative reason to exist. I, I I understand and I agree. I mean, to an extent, which is the extent that I'm like, these are superhero characters that are over half a day, decade old and are are having like, like it's it. We passed blood from the stone period like twenty years ago. I mean, at least for me, in many ways, you know. Like I'm like seriously, we didn't even talk about. It. I read I read five volumes of Chiharo Furu this week, so I'm hoping that by the end of the month I'll be able to talk about my love for an unbelievably good manga that is both a um, amazing romantic romantic triangle and an astonishing sports manga comic about competitive card playing and. Um, and also, like, about so much other stuff, you know? Like, like I'm 28 volumes into it, and she's still figuring out ways to talk about loneliness, which I think is just such a... Uh, I mean, it's like this weird thing that that is the underlying con- conceit of the book. is just amazing to me. But us being us, I'm also sort of semi-willing to talk about, like I said... Razorback as uh you know uh the the herald of Galactus that's something that I'm willing to was at least willing to gamble a certain amount of my hard hard earned dosh uh closing comments coming up true believers um at least until then I was not so what not to have read the Great Gatsby um <laughs> please leave a comment as to whether I've been like really insulted or like. I ju- I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> I I I feel I comp- your description of what was happening. Uh-huh. I was like, a really like, like a diss, but I also like I'm lacking the context. <laughs> I'm I, like, it's not. It's not. It's. I mean, please, please, people. But no, 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 no. 
What's that? No, it's not. It's really not a diss, I don't think. You know. But just just but... let me know. Like should I should I contact my lawyers? <laughs> what not? Just just tell me. <laughs> just send me a DM. Like just that would be great. Uh, Whatpodcast.com. I love uh, this. Mm-hmm. That uh <laughs> about whether or not I should be upset. <laughs> I don't know whether I should be upset. Please so don't be upset, Grab. I don't feel I don't feel that it was upset. I I compared you to one of my favorite characters in one of my favorite novels of all time. My goodness! But your Just... description of him made him sound monstrous. Oh, yeah. No, you have to read the rest of the book. He's not. He's I'm, not. He's I'm just, just... saying. I'm just okay. Saying. Fair enough. Fair I, enough. I, I did not I, intend. I think I'm upset? Mm, I'm... I think this episode is <laughs> going to be called Suspicious Minds. I think this is, this is, this is going <laughs> to be the name of the episode. <laughs> uh, ah, Graham, should we? Not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you... and you can get out by... by enjoying the fact that this is the end of the episode. Uh, but uh, we love each other too much, baby. And also we love Judge Dredd, which is why we're doing a drop next week. Wow. Beautiful segue. Beautiful Elvis-inflected, flected. Uh, <laughs> if, only it was actually, if only I tried an Elvis impersonation. What nods, I love you too much to do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> it would be glorious, though. Let's face it. Like, listeners, like... Uh, Separate and apart from the diss, talk about whether you want to hear Graham do an Elvis impersonation, because we all know the answer to that. But I just want to see the numbers. I want to see the numbers on the board. Yeah, it's, yes, please tell us that. And then tell me uh, if I have been insulted. And then the team might co- connect as to whether I do the impersonation. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. More or less, we're like he's when he's been so twisted and, and he's just being cruel to the love of his life. He says this thing, which is just like what you said to me about Jason Aaron comic. And in my head, I'm like, I don't really care that much. <laughs> oh fuck. Um. Anyway, uh, Drock next week. Yes. And we're doing case files. Thirty. I can't remember. Um. Thirty-five. I think. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're we're uh, we're doing the next 30... one. Yeah, hang on. No, I think we thought, I thought we did do thirty four already, yeah, didn't I'm, we? I'm, tr- I'm literally about to look this up, and we'll we will find out. The internet will tell us. I'm going to say the internet. I mean, literally our website. I, you're looking at our own show notes, man. If I, I had a dollar for every time I did that to be like because I, I genuinely, genuinely don't uh, recall. I think we, well, I swear did, to God um, we did thirty five. Yes, yeah. we did thirty four last time. Yep, uh, so, so 35, 35 this time. It's 35. Read along with, as you can tell, both Jeff and I, because clearly neither of us have started it yet. <laughs> so we have a week to read it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. By the time I get this episode up, I'll, uh, Graham will probably have read it twice, but I'll have not even started. So you guys can, can just jump in and, and, and yeah, go along with me. if you guys finish this book before Monday, you will have finished it before Jeff or I. Think of it that way. Ooh, that's pretty exciting. There's your challenge. That's the wait what challenge. What not? <laughs> anyway, the amount of emotional triangulation we've made the whatnots go through this episode is it's a lot of heavy lifting, I have to say. They're they're like we take two weeks off in a row, Jeff. You know, we, and we I come have back to and say, we're, we're we're going for blood. Yeah, it's true. It's a shame. 
I was so looking forward to this too. <laughs> it's been ruined by just us. <laughs> we ourselves have ruined it. Um, anyway, yes. What? Uh, what else? Drock in a week, and then a regular rate what in two weeks. At which point, I don't know. Maybe I'll have read Great Gatsby. I won't. I have so much to read. I have so much. All of it, good stuff. Oh, but um, I have a lot to read. Do you know what I just finished? I will say this very quickly because we are wrapping up and you have to do your Patreon thing. I read the oral history of uh, Mad Max Fury Road the other week. Oh, yeah, which I, I swear to God I almost bought on the day it came out. And then I saw you mentioning that you read it. I'm like, shit, I've, I barely know how to read anymore. I could read that. It's an oral history for fuck's sake. You could. I read it in a day. Yeah, and I then I, did, I don't I think I bought it. I don't think. Or maybe I did, and I, I don't think I did. But, man. I, put it this way. I would recommend getting it at library like I did, if only because, again, I read it in a day. In a day. Yeah, no, exactly. I'll probably do that because, let me tell you, as a guy who was like, yeah, I'm going to spend some uh, coin uh, and get a get myself an ebook and get myself back into e-reading, um, I've, <laughs> Amazon has ruined the you know the whole like oh yeah sure like find your books inside the 57,000 comics that we've now added to your Amazon library that you have to show if you want it to show up in your app or however it works. oh really because I can't this is weird like my Kindle app only shows the pros books maybe well, maybe I'm wrong maybe I can there's a way that you can turn it on and turn it off but I thought that you had to have it on for something and maybe i'm wrong on that let me see yeah i'm only oh i say that and for some reason uh it is now showing genuinely just four comic books huh. which wow. is very strange but there you go okay graham you got to tell us what are they oh it's showing the um the free comic book day dark crisis uh-huh um and of all things uh Collections of the uh, British Transformer comics that IDW put out recently. Hmm. Interesting. Are they Which the are only ones that you downloaded to your device or something? Nope. Or... Nope. Huh. Hmm. I literally have no idea why it's only showing those, but those are the only ones it's showing. For anyone who likes Transformer comics, uh, or for anyone who's really curious about British comics as a thing, mm-hmm. uh, I highly recommend those British Transformer comics reprints. Because they come with a lot of uh, ancillary material where they talk about the publishing history of the comic. Ooh, wow, that's like super a lot. Cool. Like, it comes with a lot of it. Wow, uh, including like images from like adverts and stuff in the in the magazine in the comic, as well as the actual stories. Wow, and interviews with the editors talking about why we did this, why we why we reprinted this story, and not this story, why we did. Why we made a lot of the decisions. It's it's a really fascinating read. I kind of love the idea that it is mimicking the British material in the sense that it's half reprints and half new material. Right? Am oh, right? shit. Oh, oh, shit. See, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, that was a fun read because you re- reread that stuff, and I remembered it being like kind of shit, but also kind of great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was being far too generous. There's so much oh, no. just downright, like you know, not good. Uh, where the where the quote unquote goodness 100 percent comes from 
my nostalgia. Oh wow! So this is not—is this the pre-Simon Furman material then? It is or... Simon Furman material. Oh, so the Simon Furman material is not necessarily holding up for you in a way. I would—I would say it doesn't hold up for me. It's um... wow. Okay. I mean, or again, it does, but only for nostalgia reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I, I get my most, I get most of my enjoyment from being like, oh, I remember being like twelve and reading this. Right. Yeah. That's you know, I remember the excitement the of being like, oh shit, it's that one thing I had the toy for. That's awesome. You know. Um, anyway, that that that's completely beside the point. I've I've one hundred percent distracted us again. Jeff, you should talk to us about Patreon before I completely distract us and we get to two and a half hours. We started this <sighs> like ten minutes ago. Anyway, go. Oof. Hey, everyone. So, Graham and I don't know how we feel about each other. I mean, you know, we clearly <laughs> love one another, but maybe, maybe, maybe despite the fact that we love each other very much, we can't necessarily live under the same podcast roof anymore. I don't know. I don't know. We're still trying to figure this out. But the point is, it's not because of you. You are wonderful. My we will both even get divorced and I'm always getting weirdly triggered you. by this. Yeah, I know, right? Everyone's just like, there's probably someone who's like really driving on their way to work who has to pull over and they're in hives. Uh, anyway, we, yes, we love you very much. <laughs> we, I'm we uncomfortable appreciate. with this. <laughs> Yes, I don't. I don't know what to say. You managed. You managed to keep us going, and uh, the people on Patreon who not only support us with their ears, uh, as our listeners do, which is wonderful, um, they also throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh, which also keeps us super motivated. Has kept us doing things like Baxter Building, which oh my god, for whatever reason, I went back to the first episode. Oh, because I was searching for a Fantastic Four image. I wanted to. Um, post oh what was that it was like a really fun twitter comparison and i can't think of what it was shit anyway um so i went back looking for a fantastic four image and ended up when searching on fantastic four images oh that's what it was okay you guys will get this so this is why i'm telling you so when elon musk looked like he was buying Twitter, and I'm not sure. I think he's still doing it. I thought that he'd been scared off, but maybe he's still doing oh, it. Oh, no, he, he of... came back harder and then uh, got right. Saudi Arabia and Qatar to bankroll him. Fucking shit. Okay, so earlier in the week when he was like, yeah, I'm going to buy these guys for $45 billion, and everyone was like, no, fuck off. We don't want you. And I was like, the great thing about it was... Twitter for like 48 hours was 100% the Yancey Street gang when they're actually sticking up for Ben Grimm. You know what I mean? Like everyone who's like the rest of the time that was the going like Every- Twitter yeah. is like absolute fucking hell site. I fucking hate it here. Why do I log on? Just kill me now. And then Elon Musk is going to buy it. And I, I so I was looking for panel images of of the Yancey Street gang sticking up for Ben Grimm and protecting him. And for whatever reasons, I could not find my Google searches were failing me. But I ended up on um, the the, our page for the our first entry for Baxter Building and wow, let me tell you, Grab, those show notes were a thing of beauty. Like they are 
long. They're beautiful. You did a fabulous job. Great panel quotes. Like, seriously, it's a it's a huge thing. And man, the comments, people are like, this is so great. This is so great. And I was like, wow, that really was, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I, we, we still feel the love listeners and we're super grateful for it but it was kind of amazing like kind of like oh gosh look at us we were all so young (laughs) back then however many decades ago it was when we did the first episode of baxter building which exists entirely because of hitting the stretch goal that you supporters of patreon made possible thank you for that next week we're going to be reading drug i'm now practically a world leading authority on judge dread and you guys made that happen i'm incredibly incredibly grateful also want to give a shout out to empress audrey queen of the galaxy for continued support of this podcast my understanding is she's moved into the mystical realms she may or may not have an appearance in that doctor strange movie i think that's the spoiler <laughs> that graham's going to tell me about when we're off air but i'm i'm very excited to find out about hold it hold on anyway. to your pants jeff <laughs> wait you mean do i have to go get pants i i'm not the only one who's recording this pantsless right like i didn't say you have to be wearing them i just said hold on to them oh okay Done and done. And I mean done. All right, Graham. Oh, I... What not? I am simultaneously very glad to be recording an episode again. Like, off weeks are weird. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy, you know, having time to relax. I Ah, love spending time with Chloe. But I also, like, miss this. Yeah. Very, very much. I miss bullshitting with Jeff for hours. Um, and yet, I'm also like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> oh, Graham. Oh, no. Oh, Graham. I'm so sorry. Oh. What are we doing with our lives? <laughs> and I, what are you doing with your lives for listening? If you made it this far, please go outside. Hopefully you're doing this while taking a bike ride or something. You know, we, we can but hope. But if not... Go and, 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 you know, look at the sun. Not directly, that would be bad. But, you know, in in, in generalized sense. And and just just be glad you're alive. And, and be glad that you're not being compared with Gatsby, which, I'm, again, is some servants. Uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, we're back with Drog next week. And then we'll wait a while after that. And bye!